This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Give me a name. I like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast, presented by MyBookie. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? You asked me what I wanted to lead off with this week, because we don't really have a clear lead topic. There's a lot going on, but not a lot of huge things going on. I noticed you have the fight pit on the run sheet. We, were, we People requested, they demanded, in fact, that we review the fight pit. Um. But I didn't want to lead off with the fight pit because I have not seen the fight pit. Oh. But, but hold on, hold on. I am currently watching NXT, and I will see the fight pit at some point during this show. And then at that point, we can give the people what they demand, which is a fight pit review. So we're going to get a half-distracted Joe Lanza until he completes the fight pit, and then we'll get a fight pit review. No, no, that's not what I said. I said... <laughs> you're going to be watching it while you're also talking about other stuff. Well, I just watched Kushida with a great pinning combination on Johnny Gargano here. Yes, live as, tweet uh, yesterday's NXT. That'd be perfect. Let's, let's do that, yeah. As Kushida and Leon Ruff pick up a big win. In a battle of... Uh, this is four former Evolve stars, Rich. We got uh, Gargano and Ace... Ace... Uh, uh, not... Oh, uh, uh, theory. Uh, Austin Theory? Why was I calling him Ace? Um... Leon Ruff and Kushida. Yeah. For for trademark Evolve stars. <laughs> I don't know if I call Kushida a trademark Evolve star, but that's that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a little much. But the other three, yes, I, I will definitely. The other three are iconic uh, Evolve uh, alums there. So They're going to face the Grizzled Young Veterans. Now, that's a good matchup there. Grizzled Young Veterans against Kushida and Leon Ruff. The NXT roster, we're going to talk about a little bit when we talk, uh, you know, because I watched all of this week's NXT uh, in anticipation of the fight pit. It's a a very weird show. Uh, It's a show that I don't really want to watch every single week, and I know why you uh, stopped watching it every single week. It's a very weird roster that I I can't tell if I like it or I think it's bad. It's that's kind of the NXT thing is like there's times where I'm like, this is great. Like, this is really cool. And I like a lot of the stuff that's going on. And then other times I'm just like, this is so weird. And it doesn't make any sense. It's uh NXT is in a very, very weird place now with a lot of ups and downs. The roster rules. The, the roster isn't the issue. It's the presentation of the show. Way too much main roster fuckery bleeding into it. Um, very dry atmosphere, even in the, uh, Whatever they're calling their Thunderdome, the Capital Wrestling it. Center, or whatever. Yeah, they they of all the I, I can't believe I'm saying this that now you know we're a year uh, we're essentially a year into you know the COVID thing. Obviously, not a year into you know COVID wrestling or whatever that's coming up uh, pretty soon uh, here. But of all the companies, I can't believe that WWE is like the worst at producing COVID wrestling. I, I with all the resources they have, you think they'd be the best, but man, NXT just shows it so much because it is. 
it, it's so there's just so many noises. It's so loud in there. Like there's a you're, you're not listening, but there is going to come uh, in a little bit uh, where Drake Maverick and Killian Dane are going to do a promo backstage. And as they start their promo, you thought Stone Cold Steve Austin came out in 1998, Rod, you know, to, with a chair or the fucking Zamboni, because it's just like with me at this time is like. <laughs> It's just like, what? Like, no crowd would be cheering that much for Killian yeah. Dane and Drake Maverick. Like, reel it in, guys. Like, turn it, turn it down a bit. Like, Jesus Christ. It's, it, I swear to God, The Rock has just come out, you know, yeah. to confront Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you're wondering what it is. And it's Drake Maverick cutting a promo backstage with Killian Dane. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, it really exposes what they're, uh, yeah, that, that it's bullshit. Yeah, and then it makes it worse. Um, I like the MLW what they've been doing. It's just kind of like this low, quiet murmur. Yeah. And that's all you need. You need something you need. You, there, there's something between impact, what they were. And I think we'll talk about hard to kill a little bit. I think impact did an okay job uh, with it on their pay-per-view, but impact prior was just doing dead silence. And that's not good. Like dead silence is, is very, very weird and, 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 and pretty strange. Japan's been able to kind of make it work, you know, when they were doing silent stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I, MLWs. I, I've only caught a little bit of MLW lately, but uh, of what I liked is, yeah, they, they, there's enough there in the background to distract you from the fact that there's nobody there, but it's not enough that it's like laughably ridiculous that the crowd is, is making all this noise or whatever, when they're clearly no crowd and clearly not making all this noise. So, I hate the clap crowds because it's like almost real and it bothers me more than just not having anything at all. I, I really hate the clap crowds. I went back and watched a couple of matches from last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, you shouldn't that, do that. Don't do that. It, it makes you hate modern wrestling so much. That was such a mistake. I mean, it made it made this year's Wrestle Kingdom feel like a flea market show. Yeah, right, like, right. In comparison, it's just like with the dumb clap crowds and you know nobody there and. Um, he just it, like like they were wrestling in a where like it made it like watching Wrestle Kingdom in real time. It was like because you're so used to the clap crowds. I mean, you were like, oh, I thought the atmosphere was great. Remember? And I was like, eh. Then I watched last year's Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm like, oh my god, this year's Wrestle Kingdom fucking sucked. Like, <laughs> right, I, right, right, right. I can't believe how awful that was, and I can't believe I watched two nights of that. Um, thank God the matches were really great, but um, yeah, I don't know that the the NXT roster. I mean, I'm looking at the brackets for this Dusty Classic. There's a lot of fun teams here. You know, it's just, I don't know, there's something about NXT, the way it's uh, been presented and the the way it's been booked. And it's just, uh, it's a hard watch some weeks. Most weeks, it's a really hard watch. The match I just saw was really good. That Gargano in theory versus Kushida and mm-hmm. Rust. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, no, I mean everything on the show, like wrestling wise, is, is, is pretty good. I don't know about the Russ Taylor versus uh, Rotten Reed is, is okay, but yeah, there's the in between stuff is just really bad. And, like the promos and uh, there, there's gonna yeah. like you'll see like this backstage confrontation between Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, and and Finn's doing the I talk slow thing. And then Kyle O'Reilly talks slow too, and then they just stare at each other for like the yeah, most he, uncomfortable thirty-five seconds of my life, where I'm like, "What is going on? Like, why are why are they still staring?" He's like, "I'll see you next week." And then Kyle O'Reilly's like, "Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't." And I'm like, "Did my screen freeze? Did my computer freeze?" And Kyle O'Reilly just goes, "Yeah, I guess I'll see you next week." And I'm like, "What?" That's the uh... <laughs> and it took up like three minutes of my life, and they didn't say anything. That's the HBK factor. Build the build yeah. the drop. Oh my god! You'll you should you should pause and go rewatch that portion 
with the audio because it is and the best part is i'm just like looking at uh you know adam cole and roger strong in the background just waiting for them to kind of break or be like oh my god oh my god somebody say something like this is taking yeah. entirely too long this is taking entirely too long and then eventually after 15 gruesome seconds somebody finally says something so it's uh did you watch the finn balor versus kyle o'reilly match from new year's evil i did not yeah i heard i heard it was pretty solid though i heard it was well, not as good as their one whatever october or whatever no. they had their other match but i heard it was it was solid enough no was it as good as the shoot fight where they broke each other's faces <laughs> right, no. right right but <laughs> no it was but, not, it was, yeah. but it was really good nonetheless and kyle o'reilly got actually he got not kyle o'reilly uh balor got busted open again o'reilly busted him open again in the second match uh, Balor's had two matches in like four months and both of them, Kyle O'Reilly broke open his face. Um, so those are a good series of matches. I know a lot of people aren't paying attention to NXT for reasons that we've already laid out, but, um, but, but that their series of matches have been good. So they're doing another one. Cause again, I haven't watched this show yet. Uh, no, they're, no, no, no. They're teaming together now. Oh, they're teaming. Yes. It was something like, uh, Finn was cause <laughs> very, very original in, 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 in world wrestling entertainment is so there's a guy and he's going to team with a guy that he they don't really see eye to eye, Joe, but they're going to team nonetheless. And there might be tension, though, because they're teaming, but, they, you know, they don't quite get along. It's a very original. I, I, I love it. I can't wait to see what direction this is going. I, I've, never, I've never seen such yeah, a story. Yeah, it's so strange. So, yeah. So this one guy, let's say Finn Balor in this example, um, he's he I forget his line. It was something about, you know, the enemies, you know, or that like it's some dumb, you know, some ridiculous line that no human being would ever say or whatever. So he decides, oh, I'm going to go to Kyle O'Reilly because he knows me better than anybody. So we'll be the best team, you know, type thing. And, and yeah. Wow, they must have some fresh voices in the writers' room because I don't think WWE has ever done a no. And, well, <laughs> the best part, I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, another team will be formed under the exact same premise on the exact same episode of uh, uh of NXT Television this week. So. Um, I'll leave that open wow. for you. I'll leave that open for interpretation. But yes, originality so, so, just pouring out of the pores of of of, of NXT out of the uh, performance center there. Such a good original idea. They're doing it twice, <laughs> twice in one show. Yep, time. yep, yep. Um, for the yeah, same tournament. Incredible. Yeah, for the same tournament too. So, I mean, you look at this tag tournament. You know, undisputed era beat Breeze Dango. That that wasn't. I, that was last week. That wasn't any good. How about this? Wiping the mothballs off Tony Nese and Aria Davari from 205 Live here. <laughs> as they take on Ashante the Adonis. Two E's on that. Like Megan the Stallion. Yes, get of it, course. Rich? Yeah, of co- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm and, up on uh, the culture, so I, I get it. TLB, big fan of Megan oh, is the she? Stallion. Is she? Interesting. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if the nurse would have any idea who that is if I asked her, so. No, you don't think so? She's, no clue. Yeah, yeah. She she is not in tune with modern music. Not even all, so. aware though. Like not necessarily. Mm, a- I don't. I really don't think so. I really don't. She's not into the uh, uh, women who are very sexually flirtatious style of rap. Yeah, I don't know. She's just not into like any modern music, to be honest. So oh. she like just listened to the, like the new Taylor Swift album like last week and was talking to people about it. So. So she's not a fan of the WAP. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, honestly, I'm not even sure if she knows what that is. She might know it from like memes, but I don't know if she's. Oh ever come on, she's got to know what WAP is for God's sake. She can't be that. Mm. I mean that that's got cultural relevance though. You know that's what, what I, mean? I, I think. Like culture, she would know it from like memes and stuff, but I don't know if she's ever yeah. like listened to the entire song. Would she know what WAP like stood for? Yeah. Uh, mm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Wow, I'm surprised by this. Um. 
just because you figure she might work with other. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're too busy taking care of COVID. I don't think they're they're not having as much fun uh, as they used to at uh, at work. So uh, maybe a few years ago she would have been up on the. Uh... Yeah, but COVID's like it's been a year. It's just what they do now. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's still yeah, right. You know. Anyway. Ashanti the Adonis the teaming Adonis, with Desmond okay. Troy. Now that's the former uh DiGiorne or whatever his name yeah, is, the yeah, amateur right, wrestler, right. who had no chance because you can't have that gimmick in this company. I mean, unless you're a generational talent like Kurt Angle, as soon as Vince sees that, something's gotta change. Um Kushida and Ruff just won. And then uh Grizzled they'll they'll face Grizzled Young Vet I love the Grizzled Young Veterans. I like a Zach Gibson promo. I enjoy that. So uh they beat Ever Rise. And then MSK. Did you see the MSK debut? I did, yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. That's the best they've ever looked. Yeah, those are guys and, and we've we've talked about that a lot as well. Those are guys that I'm I I never really like was in love with them on the indies, and a lot of people were like heartbroken to see them go. And it it, it obviously sucks to see them go because I think just any time and we'll talk about it again when we talk about uh uh, the signings that you know the PC uh, recently did is I think like any time like really really young talent is getting scooped up and uh, the Indies don't have a whole lot of time with them it's it you know th- there is a thing that I kind of wonder about of the future of the Indies and all that sort of stuff. but like those guys I was just like yeah you know they'll probably be better there <laughs> like they'll get reeled in a little bit and it's probably better that they learn from you know uh, the guys there and the in the and and yeah anything that you can do to kind of slow those guys down a little bit and I don't mean that in a bad I don't mean like they need to be putting headlocks on but just have a little bit more purpose to what they're doing and 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 a little bit more reason for why they're doing it like I think that's going to work out great for them so I think they'll be fantastic in that company it's funny they they hit the ground running immediately there's other people you know that have been the PC for you know seven years or whatever these dudes are signed and three weeks later you know they're in this tournament doing well already so that's kind of cool to see Dude, they're putting the three women they just signed in the women's yes. dust. Yeah, yeah, which is hilarious given, you know, and that's going to be a, a little bit of a topic we're going to talk about later is, is you know, how many people are in this PC and how many people really need to be in this PC uh, these days, which is... They, they beat Isaiah Scott and Jake Atlas, who have been there for a year or longer. So it's like, they just bring these guys in, all of a sudden they just push right off the bat. Yeah, but I've never was a big Rascals guy, but I thought they looked great in that match. And uh, Dane and Maverick, they beat the Evolve duo of Kurt Stallion and August Gray. Again, fast-tracked. Um, Imperium versus Lucha House Party. Is that on this episode? Mm. I'm trying to remember now. I, I watched it last night, but I don't... Uh... Well, there's only two first-round matches here. I don't think so. That and the Tony Nese, Aria Davari versus Adonis and Troy are the only two first-round matches that haven't been completed. Oh, I guess they did. Yeah. Why did I do I? I don't remember that at all. Did I black I guess out? It wasn't or, very good. I must have missed it or something. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember that match at all. Sorry. Yeah, and then the Phantasmas boys beat the Bollywood boys. That I did. Bollywood yeah, boys. Yeah. Again, dusting the mothballs. <laughs> yeah. But they're going to be on that. They're going to be part of that big India push. Yes. Yeah. That what they have coming up with all these. Do you see all these giant Indians on that I roster? love it. Yes, I do, and I love it. These guys have been... Speaking of guys, too, there's like a bunch of dudes that have never even had a match. They've been in the PC for four years or whatever, but they're yeah. fucking huge, and I'm ready for them. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that show. Like Some people like are multiple... like, this show's going to be stupid. I'm like, dude, this is like my most anticipated WWE show of the year. I have no idea what to expect. I think there's like multiple seven-footers. Yes. Yeah, there's multiple seven-footers. There's X, you know... Pittsburgh Pirates prospects, like there's, I'm in, I'm in. Oh wait, the guy from Million Dollar Arm is still hanging around the PC. I think so. Yeah, 
That's crazy. Is Mahabali Shira still yes, hanging around? Yes, yeah, he is, which is the best part about Mahabali Shira is Impact made him like one of their top guys. You know what I mean? They were like pushing him to the fucking moon. For years, that guy was like getting like legitimately like two or three years. That dude was like getting like a top tier run of like one of the biggest guys that they pushed or whatever. Uh, so then he signs to the PC and they haven't fucking used him once. I think. Is he still there? I don't even know if he's actually, I, you know, I'll be honest. Didn't he go, didn't he go back to Impact? Yeah, now that I remember, I don't know if he's Impact. there anymore. So sorry, I, I apologize for for I, he might not be there anymore. He went back to Impact as a and he had a heel run. Yes, remember I, I do, I do. That's why I'm not sure if he's still around anymore. So yeah, I don't think he's there, but I know they they Jinder Mahal on the poster and the Bollywood boys. So all of the existing Indians on the roster will be part of the pro, and then all of the new guys. Yeah, I want these monsters, man. I cannot wait for these monsters. Yeah, so. They lost in the first. So this tournament looks all right. I don't know. But I'm going to slap play, and we'll get to the fight pit at some point. Maybe I can uh, do live commentary on the fight pit when it comes no, out. It's not, it's not that exciting. Try. I wouldn't worry about that. It's, it's fine. Oh, it's not that good, huh? It's, I like it, but it's not It's not fight pit one for sure. It's, it's, Didn't match the first fight pit. No, nah, we're not going to be screaming about it like we were uh... – uh, the first fight pit. Uh, and while we're while while our pre-show banter is wrestling, I did want to bring up something to you, uh, real quickly. Uh, you uh, you tweeted out a few days ago you were watching a Ric Flair Samu match from from Hawaii, uh, and yeah, I, yeah. I asked you a little bit earlier if I can get the link to it and watch it or whatever. And uh, the video you sent me, I I expected a video that was just gonna be Ric Flair versus Samu, and that's all I would watch or whatever. Uh, the the video you sent me was like the best of NWA Hawaii or something like that. I think it was the, it was like a three hour video. I ended up watching like half that video, man. That was a really that. How much else from Hawaii exists out in the open? More than you think. Okay. I, I think I need to watch that because it's cool. Like, the crowds are it's hyped. It's- There's, like, Antonio Inoki is there just because, like, it's just guys that are on trips and, like, looking for vacations. So the video I watch is, like, you know, you got Kevin Sullivan. You got Antonio Inoki. You got Ric Flair. You got, you got some, like, top-tier dudes, and they're integrating with, like, the Samoans and the Hawaiian dudes. And that's, like, right up my alley. I love the roster makeup. Well, if you ever wanted to deep dive the Kevin Sullivan-Lars Anderson feud over the NWA Polynesian title, that's the video to watch because it's, like, three hours of like that's the connective tissue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the comp. But this was see Hawaii you had the two promotions. You had the Mayavea promotion, which is what this video is. And then you had the Big Time Wrestling which was the um Francis family. Um well, Francis or uh uh yeah, Ed Francis. Um who ran that promotion with Lord James Blears. So those were the two promotions in Hawaii. Because remember, Russ Francis at WrestleMania too. You know, he would wrestle in the off season from the NFL because his father was the promoter. Right, right, right. Yeah. But they closed up shop in the late seventies. I want to say the Francis promotion, big time, and the um, Mayaveas kept going. First, it was Peter, and then, and obviously, you know, Leia Mayavea took over later. Most people know that because of The Rock, and she took over in the eighties. The video you're watching. Um, there's no dates on anything, but just based on who the champions are and everything, because it's like the Lars Anderson era of the Polynesian title and um, based on some of the other talent that's there because Bruiser Brody pops up on the video. So you know it has to be before 88, obviously. And just based on who the title holders are and things like that, I think it's about 86, most of the stuff on that tape. Because that's when Lars Anderson 
was um, feuding with Kevin Sullivan. And then later on, there was a match where Superfly Tui is – they mentioned him being the champion. And he didn't win the title for the first time until 86. So I think the footage there is – it's definitely the Mayavea promotion, number one. That That's, you know – just obvious because that's what it is. But I think the time frame is about 86. She didn't close up until into, I think, mid, I think they ran until about mid 88 is when she closed up shop. So this is late era of, and her promotion changed names a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was big time wrestling for most of its run. I think during this era, what is it called? Championship wrestling from Hawaii, I believe. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, they, I, they, and actually, it's the fortune branding was not the uh, top of mind for most of these territories. At one point, I think one guy calls it championship wrestling from Hollywood. One guy calls it NWA or, or, or championship wrestling from Hawaii. One guy calls it NWA Hawaii. One guy calls it the Hawaii. I, I forget what it, it, it had a few different names just in that video I watched alone. So the problem is because they constantly would change names. So the their own commentators would get confused, but the fans knew what they were talking about. You know what I mean? I, it's probably one of those deals where they were probably shady business. You'd go bankrupt, change the name, go bankrupt, <laughs> but um, you know, or shut down and restart. Whatever the case, like Continental did a million times, where there's a million different names for that territory, which most people just refer to as Continental. But because of all the ownership changes and the shutdowns, they'd always open up under a different name, probably to hide from the creditors. You know. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's the Mayavea Hawaiian promotion in the dying days. And what's funny about that, and you said you watched a lot of it, the crowds are big and hot. And you're like, wow, how did this not sustain? How did they not last? You know? And it was a lot of big stars that would come in, like you mentioned, because the wrestlers loved to take that booking and they would take it at a rate. Because it was like a vacation for them. Right. There, there's two different, and, and, and doing a little bit of research, and for people that don't know, there's two different kind of methods there. There's A, your American wrestlers who are like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll take a booking in Hawaii. I'll bring the kid, we'll hang out, we'll do whatever. Because every one of the promos, which is fantastic too, they do every promo, and everyone's outside without a shirt on. It's like every promo yeah, is yeah. Kevin Sullivan outside without a shirt on because he's probably just like literally suntanning, and then they're like, all right, we need to do the promo. And he's like, we'll do it right here, baby. Let's go. But So there's that, and then there's also the guys coming back from Japan would then book the flight to stop in Hawaii on their way back from Japan. It breaks up the flight. Plus, yeah, you get a booking on the day you know <laughs> that you're off because anytime you can make some money on the way back to America, you got to do it. So uh, and you hang out on the beach, right? Exactly. It's not a bad. It's not a bad gig at all. So, so the shows were loaded with stars. You had a few locals mixed in, and um, but I like that. Was- I like that idea that it's, it's it's got a little bit of local dudes too. Uh, that that to me yeah. that that. Uh, because, you know, you get your, your Antonio Inokis, but then there's a bunch of these Samoans I've never even heard of. I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I love stuff. They're all cool. They're all great. You know what I mean? Like, every one of those Samoan dudes just fucking rocks. Uh, so uh, I was into it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's the three-hour comp. And I've been watching. There's more of that out there than you think. We got to find that- this. We got to find this NWA Polynesian Polynesian Hot Summer Night from Aloha Stadium. They apparently got 11,000 people in here for this. This is an... Uh, August of 1985, damn, August in Hawaii, uh, the show is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 matches long. <laughs> so, Yeah, and probably a real mix of big stars. Yeah, so wow. you got your openers, the Cobra versus Superfly Tui for the uh, uh, junior heavyweight title, WWF junior heavyweight title, Segi Sakaguchi versus Matt Bourne, <laughs> Kengo Kimura versus Tetsumi Fujami. Jimmy Snooker versus Larry Sharp. Uh, who we got here? Let's see some other guys. That Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA versus the Russians. 
Yeah. This is an awesome show. Lars Anderson versus Bad News Allen for the NWA Polynesian Heavyweight title. They traded that title a couple of Sounds times, awesome. and I and I think that might be the match. Did, did Lars Anderson come into that with the title? He did not. He won the title here. Yeah, so he he beat Bad News to win the title. Oh, this is uh, this is uh, uh, August eighth, August third. Uh, what did I say? August third, August third. Yeah, because they Lars Anderson and Bad News Allen traded that title back and forth. I think throughout eighty four and eighty five, and then Lars Anderson transitioned to the Kevin Sullivan feud, and then from there. He transitioned into the feud with Superfly Tui, but Superfly Tui that was towards the end of the line. Um, I, you know, and 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 the promotion would close uh, not soon after that, and I think Tui was champion when they closed. Yeah, they got Ricky Johnson and Rocky Johnson versus the Dirty White Boys, Antonio Inoki versus Bruiser Brody, and your main event is Ric Flair versus CV Avi or CV Afi. I cannot. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, CV Afi before he got all tatted up and came to WWF. To become the third Islander, yes. which was a very short-lived, very short-lived uh, angle they did, where Heenan was still managing the Islanders, and he brought in C.V. Afi as the third Islander. That really only lasted one taping, I think. But um, and that meant that the Johnsons versus uh, Dirty uh, White Boys, it's Len Denton, Len Denton, and Tony Anthony. Then, yeah, at the end of this comp I gave you, they you see the angle for that, and and one of the matches I think too. So this is all, like I said, this tape, I think, is around 85, 86. Okay. I, mean, the, I need this so, whole show. Uh, <laughs> I want, to, I want this whole a, show. <laughs> I'm calling it a tape, but it's it's really just a three-hour comp. But there's more on YouTube. Like, I've been – I usually throw stuff like this on if I'm just working in the background or, you know, it's like background noise. And then if something catches my attention, like this Ric Flair-Samu match or Sam Anuai match, because uh, it wasn't Samu at the time. And he was in shape, like he was. He hadn't gained weight yet. He was very young. Um, you, know, I'll, you know, I'll look up and it'll get my full attention. But yeah, there's more of this Hawaii stuff out there than you think with some of these sketchy YouTube accounts. The, the account that, that put this up has a ton of these three-hour comps from territories all over the place and not the obvious ones. And that's what I like. So I like watching new stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. I was, I was watching a lot of the uh, LA territory earlier this week too. Uh, from the Olympic Auditorium. There's a lot of comps out there of that. Um, I was watching a lot of uh, Roy Shire stuff too. Like a lot of territories that I haven't, that I'm not super well versed in. You know, I'm trying to get the flavor of them and, and see what they're about. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I would have sent this stuff to you a lot earlier. I, I've been watching the Hawaii stuff for a while now because, you know, you watch one and then you know how YouTube works. They recommend 19 more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you realize that there's a lot of this stuff out there. And um you know, yeah, the, the, the Hawaii stuff is always a lot of fun because you get the big stars and, um, and, and you know, almost by accident, you're going to get some interesting matchups like this Ric Flair-Samu match, which I guess you wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, no, I mean, there's not a ton we want to really get. I was just kind of wondering how much more Hawaii stuff there was out there and if this was like the, the this is it and there's maybe a few other sketchy things here and there, but... Uh, glad to know that there's a little bit more. Because, yeah, I mean, it was it was a cool match. It was a really, really fun back-and-forth match. The finish kind of stunk or whatever, which, again, like, you know, territory wrestling, especially with Stars uh, and the NWA title, you're going to get a bunch of weird, you know, kind of DQ finishes or count-outs or something like that. I mean, this... Well, that's you know, a heel That's a heel flare finish. Exactly. Champ. Right, exactly. So it's like, I, 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 you know, that some people might go, oh, that was, oh, what a terrible... It's like, well, that's what he did every time he wrestled, so... No, uh, he, goes, yeah. he, goes to, he goes out there to face the local baby face. And he's not going to beat the guy clean in the middle and kill him off. They're going to do a bullshit finish so that the local babyface hero, you know, keeps his heat. You know, yeah. you don't want to bury the guy. 
and and Flair, you know, was the it was the dirtiest player in the game, a heel NWA world champion. And then and, and I don't know if you watched did you watch the post match? I did, yes, yeah, yeah. So you see what they very smartly did. So Samu comes up short, you know, Flair with the what dirty count out win or whatever. Well, so what he did is is this was when they had the over the top rule. So he he made it yeah. appear that Samu threw him over the top, so they DQ'd Samu, uh, and, and and Flair ran away great. with the title. It's so. fucking great. Yeah. That's not a bad that's an awesome finish. I love that shit. So Flair survives with the title, and then, you know, Samu keeps his heat, and then in the post-match interview, he immediately gets attacked by a group of heels. So the fan, so the focus for the fans immediately shifts. Okay, forget about the Flair match. Came up short, he got cheated or whatever. Now he's doing this new thing. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's just that's classic territory booking. You know, Flair comes in, uh, gives the guy a great match, and then that guy moves on to whatever it is he's going to move on with. In his local, with his local guys. Yeah. So, I love shit like that. You know, it's it's there was a simplicity to it for sure, but uh, when you have a guy of Flair's caliber, you know, once they got into the closing stretch, and I posted a small clip of it on YouTube, you know, with the ref bump and then the schoolboy, and then Samu gets the visual pin, but the ref's not there to count. These are all things that have been so overdone that we're tired of them. But in the time and place. Before they wore out all these kinds of finishes, right? This stuff got mega heat because these these fans packed that building to see Samu win that fucking NWA right, world title. Yeah, he, when he reverses the figure four, you know the, the famous spot that every guy has ever done in any match with Ric Flair. He reverses that figure four, and this crowd, this they're, 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 the roof is exploding because they're like, "We're gonna see it!" Oh my god, Ric Flair is gonna tap out to his own move, and our guy's gonna do it. This is incredible. And then he gets to the ropes, and it's just they're like, "Ah!" Oh, but they, you know, they're just happy because Samu's got him on the road, even though he got to the ropes. He, they, they still it's not like they're oh they're not disappointed they're like no 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 now he's got him he's got him he's got him he's done he's dead and it's just like that's when flair decides fuck this <laughs> and jumps over the top rope uh and gets gets himself disqualified so and it was it was really cool yeah uh cool match a really cool territory and remember samu he started wrestling you know major league wrestling major territories um you know when he was like 17 that guy's had such a long career. Um, yeah, he started. Remember, he had that run in the in the very very early eighty three eighty four era. Vince McMahon, uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, WWF as the third Wild Samoan, teaming with Afa and Sika as Samula, and he was a teenager at that time. So that's how far back he goes wrestling in real places you know and he was in georgia before that he was in new japan as like a 19 year old yeah he's only now 57 years old (laughs) you know what i mean like think about that think of how long you've watched samu wrestle and he's only 57 years old i mean most people remember him breaking in breaking through with the samoan swat team obviously 89 88 89 or whatever but he lived like a whole wrestling life before that yeah you know, and then, of course, he went on after that, that, you know, the head shrinkers run and, um, you know, the short lived uh, what the what was the ECW team? Good Samoan Gangster Party. Yeah. Or whatever Gangster that Party. Was I think it, yeah. And then um, and then, you know, he's been consistently working indies, you know, straight through to this day from there. I mean, this is a guy who's had like a 40 year career at this point, 40 year career. <laughs> and he's still going and, um, you know, very underrated wrestler i mean very underrated i mean you see in this match 
at such a young age too. He's probably twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. So I so that what we're gonna say what was it nineteen eighty six? I said this was we're gonna it, say anyway, yeah. six. Yeah. Like I mean, if it's it, yeah, he's twenty two or twenty three years old in this yeah. match, and he's awesome. He's really good. Yeah, he's a kid, you know, a literal kid, you know. But he, he's a twenty two or twenty three year old with like a half a dozen years experience. Yeah. You could tell he was definitely under thirty because he had the uh, the. The Samoan like body when they're under thirty, they're like you know mm-hmm. nice and trim and and set, and then like yeah, boom, thirty hits, and <laughs> there's Samu. He's a big old yeah. fatty, but that's fine. That's I love him. That's why I love those guys. Yeah, and they they don't lose any athleticism. No, they're still just as good as they were, but now they're just like a hundred pounds heavier, and it fucking rules. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like Rikishi was always you know three hundred pounds, but could do everything. You know, he's still you saw him as a twenty uh, thirty year old, a young guy, and, and he did stuff. And then yeah, he gained weight and gained weight and gained weight and continued to gain weight. and He was still fucking great <laughs> until you know he's jumping off the top of cages and shit until he's you know in his forties. So yeah, no, just uh, you know, great wrestling family, and they just pop up everywhere all the time. You know, because there's just so many members of that family, and they just they just you know they were all incredible talents, and they just they're just omnipresent they're just everywhere always yeah you know and 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 always a good addition and they're always good awesome. they're always good too that's the best part yeah, I, I mean i i just literally reviewed jacob fatu versus ach behind the paywall thursday tv reviews five dollar tier patreon.com slash voice of wrestling so um it's just a legacy and hopefully they're all having kids and they all become wrestlers and you just we just have these this this family uh tearing up wrestling uh, into perpetuity. I mean, you know, because they they just they've just got it, man. They've got that wrestling gene, and they and they get it from out. day one too. They understand the business from yeah. day one too, and they all they all they're all effort. They all care. You know what I mean? Like that's that's always what's what's pretty impressive about except, it. So. Except Manu. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, there's always a black chief in the family. So poor Manu. Right. Yeah, uh, Manu. Yes. All right, <laughs> so that's our that's our pre-show banter. We have people in the chat room saying, "When when's the banter? What did I miss? That was the banter. We we talked wrestling oh, during our banter this time. So. Forgive us for talking wrestling. <laughs> I know wrestling people are show. dying about it. Bad job out of us. Look, we didn't plan on doing. Uh, let's break down the Dusty Classic. I mean, that just happened, like the banter. I mean, we may as well get the performance center stuff out of the way then, and just rip up our plans on how to start the show. Them. That's, you know, yeah, let's, let's fucking do it. That's fine. And then we'll, then we'll do uh, our, our first topic after that. So uh, three new or four new, uh, I should say, performance center signees uh, coming into NXT here. Uh, it is one sec. I think crashed. There we go. I know Priscilla Kelly's one of them. Okay, there we go. Uh, so we have Priscilla Kelly, Lacey Ryan, uh, Elena Black, and Anthony Henry are all going to the Performance Center. Uh, as we said, Priscilla Kelly, Lacey Ryan, and Elena Black immediately going into the uh, uh, the tag team tournament as well, which is pretty funny <laughs> for a lot of reasons, which we'll talk about. Uh, then Anthony Henry, uh, a lot older than you think he is, uh, joins the Performance Center as well. Basically, every Evolve guy, every guy that worked Evolve the last year is now, I think, there, right? With the exception of, like, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> this is it, right? And he could have been. Right. <laughs> Gabe got them all in. You know, we're just waiting on... Um... No, you know who you know who didn't. Well, there's some uh, canceled uh, guys that can't come in, right? Well, forget the canceled guys, but the the other workhorsemen. Um, uh, Henry's partner. Why is his name slipping my mind right now? He's really good too. Um, why am I? Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, I can't. Oh no, people are. <laughs> help me out here, Rich. I'm trying. My brain's broken. Uh, it was oh JD Drake. JD Drake. JD Drake. He's like the only one. I mean, that whole evolve crew. 
from the end of Evolve, and I mean the Evolve guys, not the borrowed talent from WWE. I mean, Gabe got them all in. He got every one of them a job now, except for poor J.D. Drake, <laughs> who I think is a quality wrestler. I mean, you know. And I meant to say, I, I said not the canceled guys. Well, one of the canceled guys got in there, so that's all right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was yeah, going to say, right. let me make an amendment to, to that is, well, even the canceled guys, some of them got in. So, yeah, I mean, Josh Briggs did get in. That's who you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and you see here, you know, Priscilla Kelly, obviously with Gabe ties, Anthony Henry, obviously good for Anthony Henry. Good, solid pro. I don't think I have any issue. Yeah, he's he's. Oh, yeah. Here's Imperium versus Lucha, uh, Lucha House Party. This must have left no impression I, on you. I, it must have either not left an impression or because I was like skipping ahead on commercials. Maybe I like hit too much on the, the trigger or I left the room and came back or something like that. I have no idea what happened to that match, but I have no memories of it whatsoever. So. Well, I'll keep one eye on it here. Um, new names for the ladies. Now, we were tipped off to Lacey Ryan a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you remember. I but... Yeah, a, br- a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know. My, she, I don't know much about her anyway. So I don't I either. Too, but yeah, we were tipped too. off to her. Yeah, yeah. She, we knew she was getting signed. The other two kind of came out of nowhere, especially Elena Black. I mean, what are they seeing in Elena Black? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I, look, I'm sure she's a nice person. Well, she was on AEW Dark, so that's what they see in her. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but... Um, Another uh, uh, powerhouse Hobbs. I was going to call him Will Hobbs, but he's powerhouse Hobbs now. Powerhouse Hobbs said on the, uh, I think the AW Unrestricted podcast, I think it was. Mm, yeah, yeah, it was this week. We got a, I think we got a press release about it, if I remember correctly. But yeah. I mean, he said too, he said he debuted on Dark. WWE tried him out, told him no thanks. He debuted on Dark. They called him back. That's what he says on the Coincidence, podcast. Coincidence, I'm sure. Yeah. And. Now we see Elena Black does a couple shots on Dark, and she's in. We've heard stories before. Um, you know, Ben Carter, there's others. You work Dark, and, you know, we've been told for months now that you work AEW Dark, you're essentially trying out for two companies. You're trying out for AEW, and WWE is absolutely watching Dark. And we had a WWF employee slip into our DMs and get very mad at us. Remember this? Mm-hmm. Ah, you know, that's a bunch of bullshit. You know, we're getting talent from everywhere. And I was like, I concede that. I'm sure you are. You know, and, and but there's no question that they're scouting Dark. And Dark is doing a lot of the work for them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I think that's kind of smart. Where it's like, why wouldn't you have somebody watching everything? I've always said that. WWE should hire people whose job it is is to watch worldwide wrestling. Yeah, with scouts. Like, yeah, why why don't they have a scouting department where yeah, everybody there's 20 people and you divvy up the entire wrestling world amongst those 20 people. One geek's got to watch zero one, another geek, you know, and he's got to keep his eye on the deep pros and he can report back and say, hey, this guy's got some potential. Here you go. And cut up a match or cut up the, the tape and say, hey, here's what I think this guy here's, you know, yada, yada, like, like just do it from that system. It's 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 like I, I it never I never they understood what the, the resources resource they have. Yeah, it, yeah. it never understood like, why they wouldn't do that. And maybe they do for all we know, you know, but they should have a guy. You're the Japan guy. You're the Mexico guy. You're the U.S. Indies guy. You watch Impact and AEW every week, including Dark and Explosion. You're watching MLW. They should be have someone watching everything. Their eyes should be everywhere. And AEW the same. You know, 
Tony Khan should have somebody watching everything in that company and keeping an eye on talent. And it's obvious that someone within WWE is is watching Dark. I mean, there's no question about it. So it's very advantageous if you're an indie wrestler to get on Dark, you know, not just for the people you're wrestling for live in that building, but because now you know WWE is watching that show too. And AEW either passed on Elena Black or she simply preferred the WWE offer. Some people have a destination in mind. Ben Carter instantly comes to mind. He was WWE or bust. You know, when he popped up on on in AEW, not just on Dark, but remember he wrestled on that Dynamite special, that Saturday night Dynamite special. I don't know if you recall. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they really featured him. He wrestled Ricky Starks on Dark, and I think he wrestled Scorpio Sky on that Dynamite special. And he lost all of his matches, obviously, because he wasn't signed. But, you know, they gave him offense, and they featured him, and they really rolled out the red carpet for him. But when we talked to people inside AEW, they were very pessimistic. Remember the reactions we got? They were like, I don't know about this one, because we were like, wow, you're going to get this guy in? He's, he's the hottest thing. And, you know, and, and we were told flat out, you know, he's Seth Rollins' boy, and he is destination WWE, mm-hmm. and he will wait it out until he can get into WWE. Yeah, kind of. The, we told we and, we asked, and he kind of told us, "Yeah, don't don't try too hard." And we said, "Okay," and you know, yeah, it was kind of the vibe, and and you know, that's the vibe we got when we ended, we talked to some other people too. So some people just have their hearts set on WWE, and it, it it is what it is. So I don't know the deal with Elena Black. I've seen her wrestle plenty of times. I don't know. I I. If I was the scout, I wouldn't see her as any kind of special prospect at all. I mean, I just I think she's fine. Uh, she's extremely young. I'm surprised WWE signed her. Isn't yeah. she like 19? She's like, yeah, she's. I think she's just turned 19. And, and, and she's somebody that I actually wanted to talk about a little bit. Not because I think she's any good or I think that she's like this game-changing prospect or anything like that. But to me, it's like it's a really weird thing that WWE is, is doing here by signing her. And to me, it's, it's something that, that really makes me wonder what the hell the state of indie wrestling is going to be moving forward. If, if, if somebody that is 19 years old a year or two out of wrestling school. I think she maybe graduated wrestling school at the beginning of 19 or late 2018 or whatever. She she trained locally here. She trained in Chicago, so I'm kind of aware of, of, of her and her, you know, or where she trained and all that sort of stuff. And she worked a little bit of shots in freelance, a little bit of shots in AEW, and now she's gone and she's scooped up and she's ready to go. And it's like, to me, that it's just, in the old indies, like, she would stay around for a lot and we would find out if she's good or not or she would get some jobs and she'd get some work and she would move around she'd do gcw she'd do you know aw she would do freelance she would do evolve you know like you would get an idea she'd do some shimmer shots she would do that sort of stuff where you can say okay let's really see what we got in her right now it's like you're signing people just because they exist just because they're on aw dark just because they 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 have some sort of pulse i mean they're just grabbing anybody i mean between aw and wwe it's it's to me, it's untenable. It's like, well, what's the hell? What the hell's the point of the indies moving forward? Like in 2021 and 2022, why do the indies need to exist anymore? It's hurting development for sure. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Just look at the person she's teaming with in this tournament, Priscilla Kelly. Priscilla Kelly is a legitimate most improved candidate for 2020. I mean, she had that great match against Thunder Rosa, which I raved about. It's getting a lot and- of. It's got a lot of votes for a match of the year as well. It's doing pretty well. It, it deserves it. Yeah. I went like four and a half, four and three quarters. It was a great match. And she performed very well in a match against Chris Dickinson. 
on a Game Changer show on the beach during peak COVID over the summer. And that's almost like the template for someone like Black because Priscilla Kelly stunk. She flat out stunk for years. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh she, no, was she was horrendous. She was wrestling. horrendous. Yeah, this is like three, four years ago she was horrendous. And now this year it's like she just put it all together. That's why you can't write people off because you just never know because she never came across as particularly athletic or gifted. She obviously had a great look and she worked as a valet in Evolve for many years. And, and um, you know, and but her match is just she didn't seem like someone who had any talent. And then 2020 comes around and all of a sudden I don't know what happened, but she put it all together and I'm she more than deserves this major league contract. I mean, she's she's very good now. You know, and 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 she's got a television look, and and she absolutely deserves everything she's getting right now with this contract and being put on TV. Elena Black to me is like Priscilla Kelly five years ago. She isn't any good. I mean, she's got a gimmick, right? And but if you strip away her gimmick, what's there? A really green nineteen-year-old wrestler who has never impressed me a single time, bell to bell, and that speaks to your point. We're just signing these people as soon as they develop any kind of name. And as soon as they get high-profile bookings, indie bookings. Yeah, as long as they get booked by one of the quote-unquote approved companies or whatever, which, you know, they can say nobody – that it's the case. It's been the case for years or whatever. There's certain companies that once you get booked at that company, that, that is now when WWE will kind of take notice. They, yeah. They're letting those guys do the work for them. And they, Gabe was the one before. It's like, hey, if Gabe starts booking them, okay, cool. We know that they got the stamp of approval. And there's some other ones as well that are definitely up there now. Uh, in, in WWE land with AEW Dark being <laughs> obviously the, the, the top one. But, That's what it is now, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like the second you get booked on any of those, just the 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 basic idea that like you've been booked on there is like, oh, okay, cool. That's a stamp of approval. Okay, let's go talk to him. Let's reach out to him. Let's sign him or whatever. But like the, the you know, the floor has been lowered so much now that, yeah, like you're saying, Elena Black, who, who could be, I don't know if she's going to be good or not. I have no fucking clue. If you told me three years ago would Priscilla Kelly be good, I'd say no, she's terrible. Don't sign her. And like you said, now she's great. She's really good. She's got the, she got her look together. She got her wrestling together. She's great. Like she's really, really good. But we're not going to allow people to get to that level anymore because the the floor has gotten so and 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 indies are so desperate to book people that they're booking nineteen year olds that are just out of wrestling school. And then that's enough for WWE to go, okay, cool, thanks, bye. And then they pick them up because there's nothing yeah. in Elena Black's resume. That makes her and and that, again, I don't want to like pick on her. She's fucking nineteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's you know any nineteen year old that's just out of school probably, unless they're a you know an absolute immediately prodigy. put together prodigy is gonna you know they're all gonna look like crap. Most wrestlers. She's not, and believe me, she's not a prodigy. No, she's, no, no. <laughs> Definitely never had a memorable match. I mean, I, and I've seen her wrestle plenty of times watching these awful indie shows. All day. she's not that good. No, she's but really again, not. she's nineteen. I'm not saying. She could be she she could end up being Sasha Banks. I have no idea. You have no clue. Okay. And 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 I don't know that we're ever going to get a clue again. And that that's what's got me a little worried is is I like AEW the way that they're producing people and we'll we'll see when they get that third hour or that another show or whatever. But I think they're doing a decent job with Dark and stuff like that. But that's going to come untenable at some point. They're going to maybe have to do, you know, something else. And I know that Cody and QT have their school and that sort of stuff. So that, that's that's one way, but this WWE Performance Center stuff, I mean just grabbing people this early into their life and putting them into this facility with 500 other people. I mean, I just can't, it hasn't been successful yet. And I don't know when it's going to become successful. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I just don't get it. And and at some point they're going to have to look at those, the, the people that are there and say, do we need all these people here? I mean, what, I, I just would love it's it. Small. I'd love to be there one day and just see what it looks like. There's gotta be, I mean, look at the women's roster alone. 
There's, they're they're still they're still playing keep away is what they're doing. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> they're still playing keep away. I just ran down this dusty classic. Look at all the names in that tournament, and like half of them, like you never see them. And they dust the mothballs off, and oh yeah, this guy still works there. You know, and it's um, it's a game of keep away now. Look, I was surprised they booked Elena Black on dark. I didn't even think she was ready for dark. Right. Yeah, I agree. And look at some of the people you see on dark. I mean, they bring some people into dark and. You know, you never see them again in some cases that are just horrendous, you know, and I didn't even think she was ready for dark. And, you know, and, and, and I'm OK with with just throwing people against the wall to see what sticks, because that's what dark should be. And then you run into you, you find you find a Will Hobbs, you find a Nick Camarado who just debuted on Dynamite. Who they obviously like and I wouldn't be stunned if he signed already after that Moxley match. Moxley sold that entire match for the guy. So you know they like him. Uh, you find a Griff Garrison. You find, you know, you go right down the list. Uh, Serpentico got a job off of Dark and is a regular now. Um, I'm probably forgetting obvious ones. But Bear Country, it looks like Bear Country is is going to stick. Um, or, or at least is someone they're interested in because they're getting more high fo- You know, and some of them don't work out. You have some come through that are just a disaster and you never hear from them again. Um I saw Elena Black booked on Dark, and I was like, I cannot believe they're giving Elena Black, of all people, a shot. I couldn't believe it. And then you turn around, and she's getting signed. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, you know, no time to develop. And she's going to go into this warehouse with the rest of the warehouse wrestlers. And like you're saying, I'm not confident they can develop her there. I mean, my God, she should be wrestling in front of crowds for the next five years. You know? Not stored away in a warehouse and being put on TV. She's, I mean, she's going to be in this tag tournament next week or whatever. I, you know, in this weird environment, it's just, it's, it's happening. It's just, it's so soon. I mean, you're dead on. It's just that people are getting signed way too quickly. And what are the indies going to look like when everything gets back to normal? You know, it's going to be the same collection, the same dozen people that game changer books. That are unsignable. Yeah, it's okay? it's all just the unsign. Everyone is ECW now in terms of like the the land of misfit toys. I don't mean that in like they're booked like ECW, but just that like that was that roster then is because WCW and WWE were signing everybody left and right and doing a- so all that was left was these scraps of young guys that nobody wants or people that have been there and then didn't like it or left or what. I mean that is that is it. That's what's going to be. And believe me, there's no Paul Heyman's out no. there. No, <laughs> that's the other problem to get these people over the proper way. Okay, it, it, that's the other, you know, so it's going to be a dire scene. But um, good for Priscilla Kelly. Good for all of them. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, someone offers Elena Black a contract. She'd be able to I would, yeah, I'm taking it for sure. Um, you know, Anthony Henry worked for years and years. He, he's earned this. I mean, they've all earned it, you know, but I, I just um, in some ways I'm, I'm you, know, I, you know, who knows? Maybe she'll kill it. You know, maybe we're maybe we're the only ones not seeing it. I don't know. I never. I didn't hear people ever raving about Elena Black, you know, and I know people think this is probably going to come off like a cruel segment, but I hope people are understanding the bigger picture. Yeah, that I'm, not, I'm using her as an example, it's, not her specifically. Well, she but, just got signed. She's right, the example. Right. Wrestler you know? A, insert wrestler A here, who's a 19 year old that just got done training and they're immediately scooped up and, and put into a warehouse to go do hip toss class with Aaliyah for the, you know, six straight years or whatever. It's like, you know, that's. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like. I understand it's a competitive environment. You either have to sign them or the other guys are going to sign them. But it is going to stunt growth. And, and it is, could be shooting yourself in the foot long term. 
if there's not a healthy, sustainable indie system out there to return after COVID. Because, uh, you know, these wrestlers working once a week and working out in the ring with Dustin Rhodes before the show starts, it's not enough. You know, it's not enough. Um, and I know, you know, AEW is looking for answers. They just sent Private Party to Impact, which I think is great. And there should be more of that. You know, but, uh, you know, it's uh, if, if, if these people are going to get plucked off the indies five years, seven years, ten years too soon, you got to find a way to develop them. And I think that's the challenge for these promotions moving forward. Yeah, we we talked about it a lot. I mean, I think the best way to do this is is really, you know, create your own, you know, territory system. We've been saying this from the minute we've started this 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 show is I couldn't believe the WWE didn't do it even then. And now it's even more glaring that like, why are you not doing that? And I, I gotta think that AEW has that in their mind, at least with the Cody, QT, Marshall school or whatever. And it might all be a, an issue with COVID and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that that is to me, that's always been the answer. It's just like and we've always said, have four or five different territories, assign guys that run that territory, and send people there. I mean, WWE did do that for years. That was their developmental system, yeah. and I think it worked pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, when, as long as you don't build a mot in charge of one of the territories, it could work pretty well. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I always thought that was a good system, and they got away from it, and everybody just goes to this warehouse and learns how to not ever progress or do anything, and you got, you know. People waiting there for seven years for no reason, or people that, like you said, on mouth mothballs, are not doing anything. But to me, that's always been the answer: is, is, is developmental territories because it's different fans, different people, and I'd, I'd have five different, you know, I'd have five different booking personalities out there. You know, hey, Sanjay Dutt's got his crew, uh, Gabe's got his, you know, territory. This guy's got their territory. Hell, the, the the UK guys, you know, Jim Smallman runs this territory. Like that to me has always been the answer. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I we'll see. Well, that was the original idea behind NXT and NXT UK. The problem is NXT, they needed it to take viewers from dynamites. So and now it's a major league brand. Right, right, right. You know, so that was kind of the idea, but yeah, you're right. They were on Wednesday's uh, first Joe. Come on. <laughs> talking about Yeah, it. of course. Oh, silly me. <laughs> uh, before that dastardly dynamite poked <laughs> in on their territory. Um, but I think AEW recognizes this because you know they've, you've got the Nightmare Factory, mm-hmm. and now they're running shows. They've got that Nightmare Factory showcase up on YouTube. They've got the Matt Seidel affiliated school. They've got AEW Dark. So I think they recognize the issue. They're they're sending talent to Impact, right? So they recognize the issue and they're trying to figure out solutions. And you know WWE obviously has the infrastructure. I mean once. Life is back to normal. They'll get the coconut loop running again or the Largo loop. You know, I'm pissed off about that because we coined Largo loop and then people started calling it the coconut loop. But we called it the Largo loop before people were calling it the coconut loop. Correct. Yes. Right. It's the Largo loop. It, it works much better than the coconut loop. That's yes. Um, so, you know, that's going to be the challenge, though. So if you're going to sign everybody, well, great. Now you have to find a way to develop them. You know, so. Um, you know, and, 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 and I don't begrudge anyone for signing. I mean, you'd be a fool not to. Well, especially in you this, know? I mean, with, you know, if someone's going to hand me a guaranteed amount of money this year and I'm a fucking professional wrestler you know, in, in 2020 and 2021 with this, all this COVID shit, I'm, I'm yeah, I will take your bag of money. And, Jake and- Atlas was another one who was WWE or bust. I mean, some of these guys just, that's the dream, you know, and it's going to take the next generation who grow up with AEW on TV, you, you see what I mean? And then, then, then maybe you get some who are like, oh, I've, I grew up an AEW fan. I really want to go to AEW. You know, right now, people who are 22, 23 years old 
they grew up on WWE. So you're going to run into a lot of Ben Carters and Jake Atlases where that's the dream. Whereas there might be a 15-year-old somewhere who's been a wrestling fan since they were 10, and they might be like, man, I can't wait. I want to wrestle for New Japan. I want to wrestle for AEW. I want to wrestle for, you know, whatever the fuck. Because, you know, and, and that's why it's also important. Because there's a whole, there were probably two generations of pro wrestlers who grew up with one game in town. Yeah. And then that became the place where, the only place to be. Who did and, we, uh, in, in our first year when we were doing interviews, who did we interview that said that they, they wanted to work for Chikara? That was like their Trip dream. Cassidy. Trip Cassidy, yes. I remember we were like, what? And he was like, yeah, that was my dream. Work for Chikara. I want to do King of Trios. That was like, when I arrived, I knew I was in King of Trios. And I was like, man, that was awesome. But Yeah, yeah. And he had a, uh, like a um, handwritten brackets for King of Trios and the Young <laughs> yeah, Lions awesome, Cup. Man. and. And, you know, he grew up on Chikara, and that's where he wanted – that was his dream was to wrestle in Chikara. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what I mean. You know, there's teenagers now who, you know, are, are – they, they, their environment that they know is that there's AEW and New Japan and, and WWE. And, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not always going to be the goal for all of these people. It's uh, Priscilla Kelly is Gigi Dolan. Mm-hmm. Elena Black is Cora Jade. They are teaming in the uh, Dusty Classic against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. So they're going down. I mean, because LeRae and Hartwell are part of the way, Rich. Big push for them. <laughs> um, and the other girl, what's the one I don't know anything about? Lacey Ryan is Zoe Stark. She's teaming with Marina Shafir, and they're facing uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. So they'll lose too. Shafir, I guess the other girl quit. The other four horse. Uh, Jasmine Duke. No, they. They. Uh, I, I think uh, Sean Ross Sapp had a uh, a report today uh, that she is doing video game streaming uh, full time for WWE now. That's her her job. So wait, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Wait, her job is to stream games for WWE. Yes, yes. Whatever. She was terrible anyway. <laughs> she was a bad MMA fighter and a bad wrestler. So good for her. Yeah. They were all terrible MMA fighters, except for Rousey. Remember we used to say that and people would get mad at us? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like it's not public record. I mean, even if you're not a, we're an MMA fan. I was at that time. When all of them were fighters, I was not only a fan, I was like a writer. All right? I followed the sport. They were terrible, with the exception of Rousey. They were bad. Baszler was okay, and she came from a generation before, and it was like the early day. I'll leave her out of it. But Shafir and Duke were bad fighters. They just weren't any good. They're not very good wrestlers either. Duke was really bad. Shafir might have a little uh, potential, but Duke was really bad. She just wasn't a natural. You ever see somebody and they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all wrong for it. Um, yeah. So here's 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 what Sean he said. I had this report on Fightful Select, but for people wondering about Jasmine Duke, I mean nobody was really wondering, but uh, wondering about her absence from the Dusty Classic. She's creating content full time for Up Up Down Down, and by all accounts, is really happy doing it. When WWE hired her, she streamed full time. So. Congratulations to Jasmine. Duke. I don't understand how, <laughs> like the WWE owns that now, right? Up, up, down, down. Yes, yeah, correct. How much money are they? You think they're making off of that? Uh, isn't isn't YouTube revenue in the shitter? They're doing like Twitch stuff and and whatnot too. Oh, they're, yeah, Twitch, they're, okay, they're probably right. doing okay. They're they're probably doing okay. Okay, they're doing better than fucking Miro and and, and Kip, which I don't, my question is. How can they afford to pay someone to just do that? Yeah, I don't so know if I would. Yeah, I, I would need a little bit more out of you than just I'm a full time streamer. I need like, you know, Dakota Kai. Yeah, you want to fuck around on, uh, you know, and, and, and play games. 
that's fine. Mia Yim or whatever the hell you, you want to fuck around and play games, that's fine. You know, Xavier, you want I'm not paying Jesmond Duke to play video games that's for what me. I mean. Like Yeah. So they must be making a significant amount of money if they're paying someone to just do that. I guess. It's bizarre. Um Good gig if you can get it though, I guess. So. I guess so. Yeah, I mean do you have to be good at these games to do that or you could be <laughs> I think No, I think you just have to you could be a schmuck as long as you have a name. People will watch you play. Correct. Yes. Or you're entertaining, right. like us. We're schmucks, but we're entertaining, so people listen to us. Right. And you have had people pay you to watch you play video games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Behind our paywall. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, a market for this. Should I should I fire up the Tecmo Super Bowl for the? Uh... Me trying to people have said I'll get Joe to stream like you know out of the park or Tecmo, and I'm like you. You can explain to Joe that's how to stream. Video how hard can it be? Uh, for you, uh, pretty pretty difficult. How's a dedicated online? You were, uh, yeah, but you've lost it along the way. I don't know when I when I first met you, you were a very tech savvy person, but I don't know. What do you, what do you mean I've lost it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What do I struggle with? I did, do everything you asked me to do. No, you do okay. We'll find out how to stream. Go go stream Tecmo then. We can. Uh, that wouldn't be bad content. That wouldn't be bad content, but no, nah, I'm a, I'm a you know, tremendous. We have to get you on. The, well, you got a new laptop too. We can put you on the emulator. Uh, might be tough to play it because to actually get it from your system is is pretty tricky. You need a bunch of cords and shit. Like I have those. So, yeah. oh well, you have the cords. Yes, well, but but me. now I just well now because it's like it takes so long. I just do emulator stuff if I ever do stream. Right, instead of hooking up the Nez. Yeah, it's like it takes fucking twenty yeah. minutes to because I have like I I could take a picture of my bat. It, it's so ridiculous to get it hooked up. And I was like, I, you know, I'm just gonna download the fucking ROM and play it. On my, it's like it's fine. It's the same. So, could you imagine me playing Tecmo on Twitch with my little picture in the corner with the headset on? <laughs> yeah, I can't. screaming. So the screaming only reason the only reason I do want to do and and it's it's actually. Every time that like Miro comes out or Kip comes out, and they're like, "Oh, they're on Twitch," like, because I always look and like they have no followers. Nobody watches their fucking videos. Like, I just so badly want to stream on there, and like especially you, like maybe you and I have to just like fucking find a way to play Tecmo or whatever, just so we could like blow their numbers out of the water and just say, "Stop calling them Twitch streamers." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like they're 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 very unsuccessful Twitch streamers. Like that, I they don't get to call they don't get to say that they're that. I don't get to call myself basketball player Rich Craig because I play fucking pickup basketball occasionally. You, you know? Doesn't don't Miro streams do just a couple hundred viewers? Yeah, we do something. more on this. <laughs> like not right now, but like at the end of the at the end of the day, when we, like if when we do a post show, when we do you know the AEW post shows, pay per view shows, yeah, yeah, we get more than than Miro does on his streams. Wow. Which again, we yeah. don't call ourselves Twitch streamers, fucking live streamers, you know, Joe and Rich. No. Yeah. You'd think just with his name alone, though, it would. Yeah. You know. Well. I really, who wants to watch him? Like, <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Like, I could, I, I kind of understand it. Why would I want to watch that guy play video games? What is he playing? Uh, I do not know what Miro's playing these days, but. Uh... What does anyone? Was he playing Halo? What do people play nowadays? <laughs> Halo. Yeah, he's playing Halo playing. One. Yes. Yeah. He's just firing up the Xbox One and uh, and playing Halo. What's he? What's Let's he playing? Let's see. Let me. Uh, I'll watch. Is he, playing, uh, is, is he playing GTA Horse? 
I want to play GTA Horse. GTA Horse, yeah, you're you're big into GTA Horse. I don't think you're gonna like it though, but that's uh, fine. GTA Horse, I think I'm gonna love GTA Horse. Okay, so the recent Two ones are just him standing in front, sitting in front of a screen, talking. Um, I don't think he plays games. I think he just chats. <laughs> does he? Okay. Uh, oh, he, here he is playing Call of Duty with Kip Sabian. So, wait, Halo is a dated reference, but Call of Duty. No, there's a new a Call of Duty. There's a new Call of Duty right now. Okay. I don't know if there, there might be a new Halo. No, I don't, actually don't think there is. Um, this appears to be him playing Destiny, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he basically just plays like the generic first-person shooters. So I got nephews. They play Fortnite. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he might play Fortnite. I got a nephew. He's got a YouTube channel where he plays Fortnite. He has one follower. It's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he like sends out, he sends out like the alerts like, ah, I'm going to be firing up the Fortnite. At uh, six o'clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come, come, come all, come on, come all. <laughs> so I'm like, why don't you just go tell knock your, on brother. your brother's door yeah, tell, and tell him? <laughs> like, he's the only one you're sending this to. He's aspiring. He's an aspiring uh, 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 streamer. So, you know, he, he's, you know, we go over there and like the grandparents are over there. He's trying to explain it to like the grandfather. Just it's don't, like, yeah, yeah. Just don't. They don't know what you're doing. You're wasting your time, you know? They're just pretending to be impressed by this. Yeah, the grandfathers have worked on the railroad and lost three fingers, you know. And you're like, "Yeah, I play Call of Duty on the computer, and people <laughs> yeah. watch me." It's like, don't tell old people, like people, your brother from the other room, right? Right. <laughs> right. Just don't, you know. Why does your brother just come in your room and watch? Why is he watching on the on his on his like uh, computer? Like he could just literally yeah, go over your shoulder. Yeah, he just go over your shoulder and watch. It. Yeah. You could play with each other. Like, you don't even need to, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, um, so I'm just curious what, what Miro plays. Is he playing, uh, what's the, uh, what's that fucking game that all the super nerds play with? It's Among like, Us? Uh, Are you thinking of Among Us? No, no, no. It's not, it's not a console game. It's the, uh. <laughs> it's a computer game. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the puzzle thing, the, the fucking, with the weird looking polygons, the, uh, what the fuck? Um. Minecraft? Minecraft. People still play that shit? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as I'm looking on Twitch, uh, the that's top still 10, huge, there's, right? uh, yeah, Justin Minx is playing uh, Minecraft right now. 4.9 thousand people are watching uh, Justin Minx play uh, Minecraft. So, yeah. Why? Is my question. <laughs> 55,000 is- people are watching this one dude play Resident Evil right now. Like PlayStation Resident Evil? I don't think it's PlayStation Resident Evil. I don't want to click it because it's going to start playing the video, but uh, I yeah, don't, yeah. I'm guessing it's a more modern Resident Evil. I'm guessing it's not the yeah. horrendous yeah. PlayStation Resident Evils that are completely the, unplayable in, in 2020. <laughs> With the jump scares? Yeah, yeah. it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're just Resident square. Evil. There's boxes moving around. Uh, I just don't understand. Like, look, I understand those games and what the appeal is you're trying to accomplish. What the fuck is the point of Minecraft? That there is I, no point. That, that there is no point. Yeah, I couldn't get into it either. But I, I, I'll it's, never understand. It's definitely that. not for my generation of people. But the kids love it, so I don't know. I just sounded sold when I said the kids love it. <laughs> well, you are old. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It does. It's like listen, the Minecraft. It's like people that are thirty streaming it for people that are twelve. It's weird. Yeah, like it's, it's fucking weird. There's something weird about it, and I don't like it. I smell a rat. And my inst- look, I have perfectly honed instincts. I don't like what's going on with the Minecraft. Not a fan of it. What else does Miro play? Uh, I close the window. I think it's just Call of Duty and he talks. So there you go. So. Yeah. Good All for right, him. Well. Good for him. Good for Twitch streamer Miro. That, yeah, that's, 
it, it makes me very annoyed when every time I see that. But there you go. So uh, I don't know how we got there uh, or what the hell we're doing here anymore. But uh, let's uh, let's you know let's do a quick, we'll do a, a quick little break here to let people know about our sponsor for this week's show. As we said, presented by my bookie and Joe, you know, it's that time of the year when divisions are decided. Conferences are decided uh, this weekend. Champions are crowned and legends are born. It's almost time for the big game. There's nothing about the big game in this copy, but I just like avoiding copyright <laughs> by saying the big one, the big game. But uh, Joe, it is time uh, for the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top. Well, eh, not yours so much, but uh, or fell to the bottom. But now it's your turn to win big. He did not uh, win big, but uh, you've heard the name just about everywhere. MyBookie.ag. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on for all of your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college basketball, MMA, soccer, they've got all the latest odds, period. You can take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 by using our promo code VOW when you make your first deposit. The best part, and we talked about this last week, is they make it very simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and many, many more. Uh, Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. Promo code B-O-W. You want to you want to get some live betting advice uh, here? Uh, it's no. actually it's actually kind of for me to be honest because I kind of want to get involved <laughs> in this uh, this weekend. Uh, two big games this weekend, so yeah. I mean, you know, I I'm okay with any results. You just have to root against the Buccaneers because you can't root for Brady. That's I'm, yeah. I, I in good conscience. Well, I'm I'm in a weird position too. But uh, being being a Chicago, and I'm supposed to hate the Packers, but I don't. Um, I'm against the Packers. Yeah. So, but and then there's the, there's the Buckers. So you got you got the the money line is uh, plus one forty for the uh, Buccaneers, pl- uh, minus one seventy for the Packers. The spread is three and a half plus three and a half for the Bucks. I think the Packers will win the game. I I don't like the Buccaneers defense. Um, they're they're a they're a uh, it's an all or nothing defense, and I I, I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is so good. You know, I think he'll pick apart that defense. Um. I think they're, you know, the, the the Buccaneer defense has the blitz to be effective, and I think that plays right into Aaron Rodgers' hands. So I think the Buccaneer, I think the Packers will win the game, three and a half. I mean, you don't like the hook. If you could buy the hook and get that down to three, you know, I, I'd feel more comfortable. You never like lines like three and a half, seven and a half, ten and a half. Yeah, because that, yeah, it's, that's close. That's really that hook close. is gonna fuck you. Yeah. You know, you're, I, you know, so I don't like the three and a half. If you can get that game at three, I'd play it. Uh, I think Packers money line is a good play because I think they win the game. Um, the AFC, it looks like Mahomes is going to play, but obviously you don't touch that until that becomes more concrete. If you early in the week, if you were able to get a favorable Chiefs line when it was still up in the air, I think that was a smart thing to do. Yeah, they're, they're minus three right now in my bookie. So yeah, I mean you obviously have to like that. I mean you know uh, Bills are dangerous. Don't get me wrong. You know uh, they could they could put up points. Uh, their defense flies around, but you know it's the Chiefs. You know, and the thing about the Chiefs is they looked okay with Mahomes out of the game. I mean, you know, I I know he threw one bad pick in the end zone, but you know, he put the game away on that final drive, and you know they went for it on fourth and three, and he made the play. So you know, I just think that team's a machine, and um, 
yeah, I like the money line in both of those games because I I, I like the Packers and the Chiefs to win outright. Um, and and at only what one seventy you said? What are you laying one seventy with the Packers? Yeah, minus one seventy with the Packers, minus one sixty for the Chiefs. Yeah, that's decent value that's too. I mean, those are the, those are the two best teams in the league. They're at home. Um, you know that I, I like I, I like them both on the money line. You know, you don't want to lay the big juice with the one seventy, and you want to lay the three points instead. You can do that because then you're only laying one ten. You know what I mean? So uh, you're mitigating the juice there. I mean, you can go that direction too. Um, I like the Chiefs at three. I just I don't like the three and a half with Green Bay. That's a little scary. There's nothing worse than losing by half a point. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I hope we get a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl. I think that's the best game. I think Packers Bills would be a fun game. Bills are a good story. I got to tell you though. I'm okay with never hearing Bills Mafia ever again. Oh, dude, dude, I'm so tired of hearing about Bills I have a few Mafia. friends that are Bills fans, and they're the most annoying fans ever. I really kind of want them to get to lose, so I don't have to hear them talk anymore. Yeah, I'm just so tired of hearing about Bills Mafia. I just yeah, they whatever. got they have that, and they have the weird like uh, they have the weird like Red Sox thing too, where they're just like, oh, we lose so much, and I'm like, all right, shut up, like you know, you oh, we I'm lost really- four Super Bowls in a row, and I'm like, you got to four Super Bowls, that's pretty cool. Oh, like, uh, you know about the Bills fans, yeah, yeah, you know, and a lot of them like that was you're talking thirty years. I know, now. and I'm like, come on, you weren't even born, dude. You were like two, like you don't care. It doesn't matter to you. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, they weren't rocking a Daryl Talley jersey during those. They were, they were, they were in diapers. So I don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, their hearts weren't broken by uh, Scott Norwood. You know, they, they, they have these people. You know, some of them, like you're saying, they were toddlers. Um, but yeah, that wouldn't be a bad game. It just, it's just this weekend is all about get Tom Brady out of here. That's really all I care about uh, concerning this week's games. I, I'd be happy with any of the other two Super Bowl matchups. Just I, who can stand? Who wants to watch Brady again? I mean, it just it makes yeah, you yeah, sick. it's fury. <laughs> I was watching. Uh, I was watching. Uh, I liked to around this time of year watch like old NFL films of uh, of past Super Bowls, and uh, one of the ones it, it, it was clearly taken from like a random NFL network uh, a broadcast. And on the bottom it says Brady two and zero in Super Bowl so far, and I'm just because that one must have been. I'm trying to remember what year that would have been then. Maybe the uh, the Eagles year. What year? What year? I'm trying to remember what year that would have been, where Brady would have been like going into his third Super Bowl. Well, okay, so uh, Rams, Carolina, Eagles were the first. Yeah, so it would have been the Eagles then. Yeah, it was going into the Eagles game. So that's like, just imagine how infuriating that is. Looking at that, it's like, oh, Brady's two and zero in his his first two Super Bowls. Like interesting, and it's like he's been to like nine. You know what I mean? It's godly ridiculous how many he's been to. It's just. I think he's six. He's six and three. God. Hey, fuck, man! He beat me twice. He beat two different, <laughs> two different beat, generations, two yes. completely different generations of Rams. <laughs> two different versions of Rams. Yeah, towns, too. franchises, <laughs> stadiums. Yeah, so believe me, I know, and they were both close. Um, you know, he beat the Rams twice. He beat Carolina. He beat Philly. What's the sixth one? Seattle, are, right? Seattle, Seattle Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. He lost to. Oh, wait, that's seven. He lost to. Uh, he beat. Uh, which one are we screwing up here? He's six and three. So he beat St. Louis and L.A. <laughs> two Rams, yeah. Carolina, yeah. Philly, Seattle, Atlanta. Right? Do I have that right? Because he lost both times to the Giants. He lost two to the Giants. He lost he one lost to Philly, two. right? He lost one to Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle, Atlanta, Rams, Rams, Panthers, Eagles. 
Yeah, I added a seventh one. I don't know why oh, I did uh, Yeah, I, I think add? it's just six. I think it's just six. Two Rams, Seattle, Atlanta, Eagles, Panthers. They said seven. What am I doing? Seattle, Atlanta, two Rams, Eagles, Panthers. No, yes. that's six. Okay. Yeah. And Coughlin got him twice. Yeah, nobody wants to watch him ever again in the, in the fucking season. Nah, enough. We've had enough. We've had enough of that guy. Um, but the way Rodgers is playing, I mean, that guy's disgusting. You know, so. And he's just so cool and collect. You watch Rodgers, it's like he's just non-fussed by anything. He's just, he's in complete control. Um, they've got a great head coach. Their defense is good enough. Uh, great receivers, good running game, great offensive line. So. I got nothing against the Packers. I wouldn't mind seeing them win at all. I have nothing against uh, the Chiefs either. Yeah. But the Chiefs are going to win a bunch. Mahomes is going to win a bunch. You know what I mean? I wouldn't mind seeing Rodgers win a second one. Well, especially Mahomes. after he was like done. You know what I mean? Like they were fun. They were like, oh, that's the end of him. <laughs> you know, they drafted a quarterback after last year and stuff. So it'd be cool to see him uh, uh, come back and do it. Uh, Royal Rumble is also available on, on my bookie right now as well. If that's right. Tell us about that, so you can. Uh, who are the favorites here? Let's see. Let's 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 click on to see who the favorites of the Royal Rumble is right now. Um, Keith Lee is your favorite right now. <laughs> plus two fifty. I don't. That's not like that value. Yeah, I don't, I don't like leave. that either. Daniel Bryan at plus three hundred. Big not winning. Big E at plus three hundred. The thing is, there's not a real good choice here. I no. mean, I don't know where you Brock Lesnar at plus 450. So that's I mean, if he's never yeah, the worst I mean, bet, it's never a terrible bet. No, so. it's worth a couple bucks, right? 25 uh, bucks. Edge plus 500. Mm. Goldberg plus 500. So those are your those are your favorites. Hulk Hogan plus 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> Vince McMahon plus 10,000 as well. I like I like the value on that. Yeah. Lars Sullivan plus two thousand five hundred. If you want to <laughs> get some get some good value on Lars Sullivan, Got Lars on there, huh? The Rock I mean, is the Rock is like pretty high up there. He's a plus fifteen hundred. The Rock, the Rock is higher than Sheamus or Finn Balor to win the Royal Rumble. So. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I I don't have a good feel for the men's Royal Rumble at all. I don't, yeah, especially with with, uh, with two brands and, and the company being as fucking weird as they are, it's impossible to know, like, because nobody's actually being built up, like, well enough to me, for me to say, oh, yeah, that guy, like, definitely is on the trajectory of, of, of winning it, so, uh, I guess we'll make it a fun rumble, because I don't know who's, uh, uh, The Fiend is, uh, plus 1100, so. Well, can he just set everyone on fire or something with his magic? That's, I mean, seems like a good idea. He's dead, though. Burnt to a crisp. I do. I do like Triple H at plus five thousand. <laughs> you can never rule out Triple H. Never. It's WrestleMania season. He's uh, he's in shape. So I don't know. He didn't look too interested in wrestling uh, Orton a couple weeks. Would ago. you be? <laughs> Would you be interested in wrestling Randy Orton we got, we got, at WrestleMania again? <laughs> we got T-shirt trips, and uh, they brawled around the ring a little bit before uh, Alexa Bliss came out to set Randy Orton's face on fire. Now he wears a destroyer mask. He's a destroyer. <laughs> He's just as boring as the destroyer. Yes, <laughs> yes, he is. That was good. It works. If you thought that if you thought that they were going to put 2020 WWE behind them, they have proven in this month already. Uh, no, in fact, 2021, we are also going to be terrible and and irredeemably bad. So uh, yeah. Oh yeah. God. Let me see if I can get to this fight pit, and we'll 
we'll tie up our two-hour <laughs> opening of NXT. <laughs> Uh, well, here, okay. We got some other. Do you want to go? We can go back to Fight Pit if we want. I don't want you. I'm not going to waste time while you're watching Fight Pit. I don't. I don't need to see this uh, Casey Cannizzaro match. Oh, see here. Okay. All right. Hold on. It's Let's a, talk about the FSM 50. How about that? Well, I can get to the Fight Pit. Hold oh, on. They geez. did the weigh-in for the Fight Pit. It's it's like a, a kind of a long match. I'm not going to sit here while it's you a watch long match. This, fight so. Pit. It's not short. It's uh, I don't know the exact time on it, but. All right, all right. I don't, it must be the main event because I'm it is. It is the main event. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go all the way to the end. Oh, here we go. Here's the fight pit. Fight pit rules. Look at these. Oh, look at this. I forgot how awesome. Yeah, the, well, the, sta- the stare down is pretty good. You are. You're actually better off because you're missing the growling woman who's just going. Nah, fight pit. <laughs> so bad. Oh, they had something like that, huh? Introducing yeah. it. You'll see her. Where she goes. She goes. It's time for the fight pit. And then, uh, um. Uh, Vic Joseph goes, fight that! <laughs> it's just so weird. They have to the show is everything. so weird. It's so weird. Stop Why screaming at me. Everything? Stop. Just Jeez. let it happen. Yeah, there's there, it's just Vic Joseph just goes, oh, we'll be right back with the fight pad. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's so strange. Did we decide whether Tommaso Ciampa was a fight pit guy? Uh, oh, we. I think we added him to the fight pit. Well, did you we? know what? No, actually, no, 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 no. I don't think we did because when, when we... When we did the fight pit guy thing, he was busy in like the look at my hands, why yeah. am I so evil type stuff. Work Gargano, but he has transformed into a fight pit guy over the last few months. I think he's a fight pit guy now. Look at him stalking uh, Thatcher at the top of this uh, st- uh, structure here. This menacing structure. Look at him pacing. He's coming after him. Let me see how it. Yeah, it is long. This is it's, like an eight minute overlap. It's going to be a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this will be a bad bit. We shouldn't do that. I'm going to watch it, though. Yes, keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it for sure, and then we will yeah. we'll discuss uh, the fight pit when we're done here. So, uh, all right, throw let's... him off. <laughs> He's gonna throw him over the side. I'm into this fight pit action. This is good stuff. All right, what are we talking about now? Uh, FSM 500, or you know what? You know, let, let's do actually. Let's do this. FSM 500, FSM 50. Let's do this. Let's talk about our match of the year ballot, right? well, because that'll that'll stall us some time uh, to get you ready. So, if you are listening to this, um. And you are a media member. You run. A, you have a podcast. You host a podcast. You co-host a podcast. You write for a wrestling website. You have your own wrestling blog. There is time to still request a match of the year ballot because at this time next week, we're going to do a special show on the Patreon side uh, where we give the top ten for the match of the year. We give our personal top tens uh, for match of the year as well. So you have just a few more days. We are closing voting. This Sunday, so you have until this weekend to do it. Uh, but if you have not already, voicesofwrestling.com slash M-O-T-Y 20 dash request. Again, that's voicesofwrestling.com slash M-O-T-Y 20 dash request. Uh, and that will get you to a form where you can request a ballot. Uh, we will, we're will we checking those every single day, every single, uh, a few times a day. Uh, all you have to do is give us your name, your email, the name of the website or podcast you contribute to. Uh, and then uh, you can submit it and we might pick you. We might not. We have definitely the right to not pick you to uh, vote, but uh, if, again, if you are if you run a podcast, if you're on a wrestling website, if you do if you do any of that sort of stuff, you are eligible to vote for this. So uh, media only. Don't let us know that I'm on Twitter and people like me. We don't really give a shit. It's it's media only. Reporters, reviewers, podcasters, radio shows, blogs, that sort of stuff. So again, voiceofwrestling.com/slash/moty20-request. Uh, ballots close uh, this Sunday. So make sure you get it in as soon as possible hopefully by the time you listen to this 
uh, you can have it in there. And, and it's going to be a real fun year for Match of the Year. I'm really excited next week uh, to break down the top 10. Uh, this is the closest it's ever been for one and two up to this point. We'll see if anyone pulls away this weekend, but it is every new ballot that comes in. Usually when usually we do that where, and, and we talk about it, when we, we'll, we'll break it down ex- extensively you know, next week when we talk about uh, the actual top 10. But usually like, you know, we put a, a, a match in and it's like, all right, number five moved and number six moved into the top five or this one moved into the top 10. This is every time I put a ballot in one and two switch, which is awesome. We have never had, I mean, last year was an absolute blow away with Okada and, or uh, Shingo and Will Ospreay just absolutely blew the, the, the competition away. Uh, a few years ago, it got pretty close. I think the Shibata uh, Okada year was relatively close, uh, but this is the closest it's ever been. They are, last I checked, it's like five points separating, you know, number one and two. Uh, so that is really cool. Number three has a, has a way outside chance, but I think it's kind of pulling to the back uh, here a little bit. But the top 10 is completely up for grabs. Top five is up for grabs. Number one and two is up for grabs. It is it is awesome to kind of watch this as we're getting into the final days uh, for match of the year. So your vote could determine the whole thing. Could determine who is the match of the year, who gets into the prestigious top ten, who gets into the top five. It's 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 important. So uh, if you're listening to this and you have not filled out the ballot or you want a ballot, then again that is the link uh, to do so. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, to, to break it down uh, next week. At last count, I think there was 33 different matches that got a first place vote, and we're going to shatter the record for number of different promotions represented because one thing this year is there has been a real uptick in Joshi. Yes. A huge uptick in, in, in the Joshi and um, a lot of the Australian promotions too. There's been a huge uptick in that as well. So um, a lot of obscure Joshi and Australian promotions are represented along with the usuals. Although that could be mitigated a bit by the less. Indies are dead. The U.S. Indies, Indies are yeah. fucking nothing. <laughs> Just nothing coming. I mean, GCW a little bit, a little bit from beyond, but that, I mean, that is it. The yeah, in, and a couple US of scattered votes well. for a few others. Yeah, the American Indies are really taking a beating this year. And it's not as if, now look, obviously COVID, but it's not as if the, indie, the Indies that are running don't run a lot. I mean, Game Changer Wrestling runs like, I feel like they're running a show every day. Like, I know that they're not, but it, there's very few weekends that go by. They're running, like, their regular schedule, and they run constantly, you know? And, and, and you had the uh, the COVID super spreader event in Indianapolis. What was that called? The, uh, collective. the, the, the collective weekend, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's not like the Indies aren't out there and running. Like, you don't have your PWGs and your AAWs, and that hurts because – PWG, obviously, and AAW does get a couple matches from those. Evolve closed down, so that's another factor. Um, but it also speaks to what we've been saying. The quality of Indies is way down, which is why you know it's being reflected in match of the year. You know, these Game Changer shows aren't known for filling up notebooks. you know. So, yeah, American Indies have taken a beating. Joshi's on an uptick. Um, Noah doing much better than usual which was to be expected particularly at the high end so uh that'll yeah, be all i, I think up i'm pretty sure stardom and wwe have the same <laughs> like wwe main roster and stardom have the exact same amount of matches voted for it uh, this year right now which is yeah wwe main roster is not doing well and even the matches you would think one match in particular we don't like to name them because we don't want to influence things right but People There's will be upset. Where, there will be a subset of Twitter folks that will be upset about it for sure. Yeah, I don't. It's just not doing well. 
I mean, what are you looking at it? It's uh, I was, yeah. I keep I keep waiting for it to kind of go up and move up. It's and not it, going to. And like, what happens is like a new WWE uh, a ballot with some WWE matches comes in, and I'm like, oh, here we go. All right, this is going to be. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's either eighth or you don't vote for it. Okay, that's. Ew. Yeah, I thought that match would really crush it, um, but it hasn't. The um, top WWE match came out of left field for me. Now it might not hold. Um, you know, it's very close. It's you know two points separating these two matches, but WWE main roster is not going to get a match in the top 25. I can safely say that. It's just not going to happen. They're too far behind. Um, you know, so now, you know, Walter, Ilya, I don't think, I, you know, spoiler alert, that's doing <laughs> right. People well. liked that match, yes. So, uh, you know, that one, and there's an NXT match that's doing okay. So, I don't know, not... Well, I mean, WWE main roster has more than you'd think. I got... Listen to me count. I'm watching you count, too. I'm on the same spreadsheet as you are right now as well. So. This is the Mike Francesa gimmick. Yeah, uh, one, two, three, four. Four, <laughs> five, six, seven. Then he goes a couple under his breath. Yeah. Six, seven, eight. Well, he's reading the paper. Yeah, he's got his fucking daily news or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what paper he's. Uh, I'm sure he's got a paper that he's uh, he, he likes, but yeah, probably a daily news and a post. You know? <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a post guy. He strikes me as a daily news guy. But I could be, be wrong, daily, so. He probably reads both. Yeah, you got to read both. You got to stay on top of things. You know, um, that's true. Ra- old, old school radio guys had both papers. Yeah, they got to have all the papers. You get all the papers. You know, um, me. A forty-year-old, even when I was in high school, would bring the papers to school. <laughs> oh, I, I did too. Bring. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. my my study hall. Uh, I remember in 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 high school for our study hall, they would always have the papers there, and none of the other kids ever wanted them. Even then, even then, you know, in two thousand three yeah. and two thousand four, they were just like, I'd rather just stare at the wall or take a nap. I was like, boom, let's see the sports section. Let's go. <laughs> like, or because like all day long. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I I would read it at home, and I didn't want to take it. My dad didn't want me to take it because he wanted to read it when he came home, and he thought I was going to lose it. So I would lead off. You you know, I'd stop on, you know, page four of the Chicago Tribune and then pick it up at study hall and know exactly where I was. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's the way yeah. I was. So the good old days. I don't yeah, read enough these carry, days. I need to read more. So I'd carry that Nork Star Ledger uh, <laughs> sports page around in school. People are like, what do you got the paper for? I'm like, this is you got the paper. You got to read the papers, you know. I got to go get the papers. Get the papers. Jimmy two times. Good fellas. Um, 15 WWE main roster matches right now. So. I you know I don't know how that compares to other years, but the the point is none of them are doing well. You know, a lot of those matches have one vote, more than half of them. Yeah. Stardom. Eight. <laughs> no. <laughs> also fifteen. So um, I said yeah. that. <laughs> I just got done saying that. Well, I was just confirming. Okay, okay, confusing. that's fine. That's fine. Jeez, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just confirming. Um, there was another promotion that was crushing it unexpectedly. I mean, Noah's going to have <laughs> Noah is on the precipice of three top 10 matches potentially. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, yeah. yeah, three top 10s, I think seven top 50s, if I remember correctly, which is, is I never would have in a million years. I mean, I, I like Noah this year, but Jesus, I had no idea it'd, be, it'd do that well. Yeah, how many are in that top 50? Yeah, no, we had a year. Not that long ago, where Noah only had 
okay, they had 10 matches, but it was only because one person <laughs> voted, voted for, for all 10. 10 yes. Who, you might know. I mean, honestly, if, if, if you're a Twitter, a yeah, yeah. If you're a Twitter follower, you might, uh, you might know who that would be, but yes, it was, it was somebody who, uh, only Covered tweets Noah. about Noah and only talks about Noah. So, right, which is fine. Yeah, we don't. Know, we want everybody, but yeah, Noah's just absolutely crushing it at the top for the uh, you know NWA with four matches so far. Actually, that's. I don't think that's true. I think you have one listed twice. Oh, we'll talk there we about go. Found an error. Found an error. That's all right. That'll happen. So we'll fix it. Yeah, I don't think those two people wrestle twice. So this is because people send you the wrong dates and then you put the you, like, you know what I mean? And you're just copying and pasting and then we got to go over it and catch them. But um, yeah, it's match here. This fight pit, I got to tell you, it's good. Mm-hmm. This is not the Matt Riddle, Tim, Tim Thatcher. It's not. Fight. It's not. It's fine. It's really it's good. I like it. It's not like we were screaming about how awesome that show that match was. How's fight pit doing? I don't think it's doing well in the poll. Oh the oh yeah Jesus! Um, I don't think it has a single vote yet. Let me see. Oh man, I might have to vote for it there. Uh, it's it's on my short list. Yeah, it does not have a single vote. Wow. And fight pick getting shut out. Damn. <sighs> what can I bump from mine? <laughs> you gotta get the fight pit in there. <laughs> get some dopey Hiromu match out of here and get the fight pit on there, right? Um. Yeah, I mean, this is okay. This is not the greatest fight pit. Let's do this FSM. We'll see. Rich said it's the SS FSM 500. Yeah, that's so. going to be tough. So we're going to break down all 500 wrestlers. We're going to talk. We're going to break down every one of them. So let's start with yeah, number 500. 500. <laughs> Billy Starks. Shorty G. Yeah, let's right. do it. How would you think of his year? No, it's the FSM 50, of course, which the tradition has continued. Voices Wrestling host this list, this very important list since what, 2000, what year? 14? So we were, I was able to go back. There was a full 50 all the way back in 14, uh, was the first yeah. year they did a full 50, and they did like a, a big list. Like, there were some sporadic lists in 13 and 12 or, or whatever, but yeah, 14 to 2020 uh, is, is the official uh, list of, of, of 50. What? So 2014. 2014, yes. Okay, is when okay. Uh, I just mean twenty fourteen till today is is the official fifty because there was there was one year where they did thirty or some shit like that, but twenty fourteen uh, okay. it got established as the FSM fifty and has carried on since then. Yeah, so it's a secret panel of voters, mm-hmm. and this is all put together by, of course, Alan. Fitt- I don't Alan. even know who voted for it. That's not true. I do, but you're lying. You know every <laughs> they don't even tell me who voted for it. So. <laughs> you know every voter. Um, <laughs> It's a secret panel of voters, uh, many of which were the original voters when the magazine existed. Uh, There are initials next to the blurbs. So if you want to play detective and try to figure out who the voters might be, I think some of them are fairly obvious, especially with what the content of the blurbs contain. But, um, you know, uh, some of them I don't think anyone would ever figure out. They're tricky. You're just working with two letters here. But um, it's a panel of seven. And uh, Alan helps put it together and. And, um, you know, it's the original uh, team that put together the original FSM 50s. It's just the magazine, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. And we host the list on com now. So the article's up with the full listing. Who put together them statistics at the bottom of the year? Uh, that, was, that was myself and uh, Jeremy Sexton uh, as well from uh, from the website. So uh, Brian gave me a list of uh, Brian Elliott, the former editor, 
uh, a fighting spirit. It gave me like a word doc a few years ago that had all the rankings on there. So it was a it was a labor of love. I I, I did a lot of the work a few years ago, uh, and then this year was like, oh shit, I need to actually finally do this. So uh, finally put it together. So now you can actually look at the historical all the way from 2020 to 2014. Uh, where every wrestler ranked uh, at any point during the year as well. And an interesting little nugget here, uh, three guys, I wonder if you can predict this, I don't know if you've actually looked at it, uh, three guys have appeared on every single one of these uh, FSM 50 ballots from 2014 to 2020. Can I take a shot at yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. Okada, obviously. Okada is one of them, yes. Um, twenty-four. Uh, Tanahashi has to Tanahashi be. Tanahashi is one of them, you got two. So the third one's probably the trickiest one. Um. Every year since 2014, so they have to have been a super relevant top-level star since 2014 and been on every list. Okay, I'm going to – this is not my official pick, but I'm thinking Shingo. Shingo is off by one year, actually. Oh, got to be Big Tom-ish. It is Big Tom-ish. Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, he, is, he was – uh, th- 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 there it is. He was fifth in 2014, 16th in 15, 15th in 2016, then four, eight, six, and then this year he was five. So he has had a miraculous run there of four top ten finishes, one top, fi- or, you know, another top fifteen finish, and then one just outside of the top fifteen there at sixteen. So he is a miraculous run for 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 big time ish. So good Shing- for him. Shingo missed the year. Shingo missed. I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't voting that, so you can't get mad at me. But uh, he missed in 2014. 2014. Let me think about 20. Well, that was a year before his great title run. Wasn't that in 15? Where he had that great title uh, I run think against so. the old guys. I mean, I just want to say, since I've been voting for him, he's finished third and second. So I'm just saying. Wait a minute. You're a, you're one of the secret voters. Oh, so I. Jesus. No. I help. <laughs> um, I help. <laughs> what about. Are you one of the voters? I forgot to ask. I listen. I will never reveal Damn. that information. Um, what about Kota Ibushi? He, he so he uh, so he did miss a year. I think that was his year where he was just like fucking around. Remember that year where he was just uh, wrestling yeah, dummies yeah. for a year? Uh, I think that was that year that uh, that he missed. So what about okay? All right. Oh, he may have missed like fourteen. What about Will Ospreay? Yeah, Will. He, I think okay. well, I think he missed fourteen because he was still just the yup. Oh, I'm jeez, shitty job out of me. Four people, Joe, <laughs> finished in the top fifty every year oh. since the list has been created. Osprey or or it's a, it's Will it's Will he got in there it's at Will. fifty and twenty he just made the cut in twenty fourteen and then has been top twenty mm-hmm. since then so twenty fourteen that was the year of that Matt Seidel feud mm-hmm. in Rev Pro mm-hmm. I yeah. believe yeah um which put him on the map really yeah and, and obviously a mainstay since then Universal uh um um uh, consensus number one last year in fact I think number seven this year so. Yeah, Shingo missed by a year. Okay, I'm looking at it now, now that we're done guessing. Yeah, you're right. Abushi missed one year. Weird. I guess he was just goofing off that year and not really wrestling much. You know what's sad? There would have been a fifth guy, but Dice K second. I know. He stunk this year. <laughs> Especially with this a- panel. Like, imagine how yeah. bad he had to be for this panel, which we, you, you know, you and I. Well, Rich, I'm not familiar with the panel. Yes, so well, I but, but well, the panel that hypothetically voted for Daisuke Sakamoto tenth last year, uh, eighth a few years ago, nineteenth. You know, that just yeah, this this hypothetical panel that clearly enjoys Daisuke Sakamoto c- could not even bring themselves uh, to vote for him uh, in this year's uh, list, which is tragic. Yeah, Naito missed one year. He's another one. 
Timot Young Bucks missed one year. Yeah, that seems ridiculous. But that's last year, somehow. Last year. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, that's well. AEW was kind of just getting off the ground. Oh, that's true. Like half the year, they weren't really quite. Yeah, okay. That's... I could, I, I kind of get it. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. So, and Zach Saber Jr. this year missed for the first time. That's another one, and he had never finished lower than fourteenth. How about that? So, that's all attached to the article, though. If people mm-hmm. want to look at that, the history of the uh, FSM fifty. So, let's talk about this year's a little. We're not going to break down every person, obviously. Oh. That would take up the rest of the show. <laughs> we'll blow through it, though. Dragon Daya, number 50. Uh, the uh, reviewer here with, I don't know, this this CL did all the Dragon <laughs> Gate works. Hmm. I don't know who that might yeah, be. I'm scratching uh, my chin right now, wondering, huh? CL <laughs> Dragon Gate. CL called him the most exciting wrestler in the entire world. I don't know about reel that. it in CL. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like Dragon Daya, but let's uh, let's reel it in there, pal. So, so you got Julia at forty nine, and then I think forty eight's interesting. Chango and Kaiji Tomato. Yeah, if I had a vote, I would have definitely put them pretty high. So I'm glad they, they made it on there. So, oh wait, I already revealed <laughs> I have a vote. So I'll just... <laughs> I forgot so that I did that. Yes, I voted so... for Chango and Kaiji Tomato. So. So uh, how it works is the seven panelists submit their list, um, and then the curator puts it all together. There's math involved, but it's not strictly off the math. The curator then moves some things around as they see fit, and it's presented back to the panel, and then it's presented back. You're basically trying to get like eight or nine people to agree on things because you've got the panel. You've got the curator. Brian Elliott's still involved. How can he not be? It's the FSM 50. So uh, – it's 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 a tricky deal. Do I think the list is perfect? I don't. Do I think that they're good snapshots of a given year and important to continue? Yes, I do, which is why I pitched hosting them at Voice of the Wrestling even when the magazine went down. I think it's important to have lists like this to look back on historically. So uh, that's kind of the idea. And we're going to look back in 10 years and say, hey, remember when Chango and Kaiji Tomato had that great tag run in 2AW in 2020? And they made the top 50 list of top 50 wrestlers in the world. So, um, you know, look, we spent a lot of our summer talking about their matches. So I think I don't think it's a vanity pick or anything. I think it was well earned. Um, 47 was Ricky Starks getting on the list. And uh, no, if you look at the initials, I was going to say it doesn't say JL, believe it or not. This wasn't, I, I didn't, you know, this, you know, he earned it. He earned his way on. This wasn't, you know, Joe Lanza saying put Ricky Starks on the list. There are people that want him on the list. And, uh, and I think what's interesting about his blurb written by the mysterious AC <laughs> is that it says he is maybe the best TV wrestler in the business today. And, you know, that's an interesting point because he is a really good television wrestler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sells. He bumps. He holds tag matches together. He talks. He looks like a million bucks. He comes out looking good all the time. Yeah, it's it's. So I think it's important when we put together a list like this that we recognize not just the guys that are filling up the notebooks and the main events of the Tokyo Dome, but uh, you know wrestlers like Ricky Starks, who's such a great television wrestler. Tag teams like Chango and Taiji Tomato. Uh, you know, so you want to represent all of pro wrestling. Momo Watanabe, Daishi Hashimoto, as we go through. he re- I had him on my 50. I, I And I've been a huge critic of his, but he had a big year. Uh, he had a really big – and you know what worked in Daishi Wait, Hashimoto? you voted? Theater? You were one of the seven? Oh, I mean, my hypothetical – Well, now we got two. Okay, so we got two. We know, we know you and me. Okay, that's good. We're almost there. 
can't believe I said that. <laughs> Once um, we figure out who the CL cat is, we might be able to really, really break this thing open. So, AC, another big mystery. Um, I, I honest to God think the others are hard to figure out, though. So, uh, not that I'm confirming or denying. Yeah, I don't so. think anybody would be able to get JB. Um, no, I mean, you know, and, and I even and, had to do a double take at JG, even though I knew who it was, but I was like, JG, oh, right, right, right. But I was like, ah, some people are going to have some trouble with that one. So, because they're too open ended. Right, There's right. So SF, I mean, geez, that's anybody, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, Daishi Hashimoto, who, if I were to be a panelist, would <laughs> right, right. Hypothetically. <laughs> I mean, what I think what worked to his advantage was a lot of his great title defenses were when nobody was running except for Big Japan. Because remember, Big Japan was just, nope, we got to run. We have to run or we're going to go out of business. So he had all that attention to himself. you know. And I think people recognized the great year that he had because of that. Um, ACH, the reinvented ACH at 44. You could stop me at any time if you want to comment on any of these. Um, 43 was Kazusuda Higuchi. 42, the only WWE representative in the top 50, Finn Balor. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I kind of found it, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of reaction uh, when we say that, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I can't say it's not deserved given the year they had, uh, but it's just shocking. I mean, especially, and yeah, this, the, the seven hypothetical people that voted aren't really, you know, your, your biggest WWE fans, but it was hard to justify any of the people as well, which I think was probably the more important or most shocking thing is that even when it was like, all right, guys, we probably, you know, should vote for a few it was like, well, but who? You know, we had people say, hey, I haven't watched much WWE this year. I haven't, you know, what should I watch? And the people that do watch it were like, uh, you know, so it's like, it's not, I, I think it's deserved. I mean, that there's only one of them, but yeah, it, it, it's still a shock. Yeah. I mean, he really had a lot of great high end matches. People forget about that Ilya Dragunov match on the win and the World's Collide show, which was great. The Kyle O'Reilly match, obviously, the Gargano match. So, he deserves it. It's just, man, one WWE wrestler. It's crazy. Kenta was 41. Very poorly edited blurb. Um, I, I don't know who wrote that uh, blurb, but it was definitely poorly edited. There's a mistake. Jerry right Lynn, I guess, is maybe one of the. Maybe. Mr. JL right now. And um, I'm annoyed because I'm noticing that it's poorly edited. <laughs> you can, well, we could have. Uh, well, I mean, we, you, you have editing. I think you have editing privileges, so. Um, I don't can... mess with the WordPress anymore because you would get mad at me because the SEO wasn't up to your standards. So Well, you can change Jerry Lynn's right up here on Kenta if you'd like. So, Well, I just – the word defense is missing after never title, and it's annoying me looking at it, okay, but that's a okay. great never title. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't read well. Yuya Aoyoki, who many people think finished too low at 40. He really did have a great year. Uh, Shotero Ashino. Of course, uh, Masaki Mochizuki, Mayu Iwatani, Taichi at 36. Big year for Taichi. Konosuke Takashita at 35. We've got uh, uh, mid-level junior El Desperado came in at 34. Uh, Keito Kiyomiya at 33. Jay White, Masato Tanaka, Ben K, Pac, Minoru Suzuki. I love Masato Tanaka up there as well. That's awesome. So. Still, and we're going to talk about. We'll him talk later. about a bit. Yeah, he's still incredible. He's just a great wrestler. He already, he already in 2021 is already great. So another year to add to Masato Tanaka's great run. Yeah, incredible. After all these years that uh, he's still popping up on things like this, Ray Phoenix, Show, Tetsuya Endo, Kano, Darby Allen, 
um, Ata, a lot of Dragon Gate. Do, do you think Dragon Gate was overrepresented? A lot of I Dragon do. Gate. Yeah, I, I, I kind of do, and I, I love Dragon Gate, but I think it was way, way overrepresented on, on this poll. And that's, I mean, that's to be, you know, definitely. But like, yeah, I think like Naroki Doi. I, I like Naroki Doi a lot, but number twelve, I, I don't know. If, you know, Naroki Doi should be number twelve. Uh, it might be a little bit high, but yeah, there's a lot of Dragon Gate on this. Um, which you know, and they, again, they've had a good year; they d- deserve it. But it, it, they did seem a little overrepresented this year. Yujiro Kobayashi, KZ, Adam Page, Tanahashi finished 18th. Guy just never stops. Naito was 17th. Kento now, do you think? Uh, now, now, did you think that was kind of um, interesting? That that's the one that I circled. That Naito at 17. I could see people getting. Uh, well, this whole little, that. this whole run, Tanahashi, Naito, Miyahara. Typically, you're going to find those guys higher, right? But look at who's above them, and you have to make a case for who they belong above. I mean, you can't just say these guys are too low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the, it's like in sports when someone makes an all star, gets snubbed from an all star team. Ah, oh, how can they leave so and so off? Well, you got to take someone off, right? You got to take them off. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that I look at it, you know, you got me a heart there. Segura, I, I don't know that I would ha- take him off for any of those three. Uh, Kaito Ishida, I, I like Ishida a lot, but I might. Bump him back a little bit to have those guys I move up a little bit. I would definitely bump Kaito Ishida. I wouldn't even have him in my top 50. To yeah, Cody, I think a lot of people might laugh that Cody's higher than Naito or Cody's higher than Kento Miyahara or whatever. But Cody's had a fucking great year when you look at it. Um, and, and this RK guy that wrote the write-up, I mean, he might have a good case here uh, that he makes. But, yeah, when you really look at what he did prior to COVID and then what he did after COVID as well, it took a little bit to get going. But, yeah, I mean, you got the Brody match, the Daddy Kingston match. I mean, that stuff that he did with the TNT title was, like, really, really great stuff. He made he made so many stars this year, developed so many guys uh, for that roster. So I don't know that I can bump him out. On Rookie Doi, I might bump him slightly. Nakajima would be an interesting one. But, again, I that's that's tough. Like, he had a really, really good year. And then you get to that top ten and – I mean, I don't top know. Top 10 is a top 10. Top 10 side. Yeah, I, I don't know about Okada at 8. I, I may have bumped him back a little bit. Not really fully fault of his own, but obviously, you know, doing half the year with, with Yujiro will do that. I think Okada had a better year than Miyahara. Uh, I liked Okada's G1 better than Naito's G1. I know some would disagree. And he had the two great matches at Wrestle Kingdom. I guess you can make an argument for Naito over Okada, but those evil matches left such a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was really no fault of Naito. But at the same time, Okada wasn't doing anything during that period either. Right. And as far as the top seven, that's fucking ironclad. I'm not moving any of those guys out of that top seven. No, none of those three had a better year than the top seven. No, I agree. Um, so where you run into trouble is from eight to four, from eight to third, from eight to 14. Um, I would get a Sheeta out of there myself. I'd probably get Segura out of there too, because outside of the one match against Go, I don't think he had a great year. I think those three guys had a better year than than Segura. Yeah, he's a tough one because I lo- I love his work so much. But you're right that like there's there's high end matches that he was in, and, like one or two you know high end matches. One yeah. obviously real real high end match, but yeah, I mean I could I could definitely I could, I could probably yeah. I, Tanahashi and Naito definitely had better years than Takashi. Yes. Yeah. Cause they, they and, together and, had one match that was almost as good as any Segura match of the year. And then they also, you know, went and, and, and did a bunch of, yeah, they, they Miyahara, I, I'd have to th- really think about Miyahara over or Segura, but I, I would definitely, I, I think I might a little bit more easily uh, put Tanahashi and Naito above uh, uh, Segura. Miyahara slept walk through most of the year, but he had that carnival final against Zeus and early in the year when he was triple crown champ where he was himself. So I think he's perfectly placed, like, in, you know, 
the teens. He didn't have one of his typical top 10, top five years. But I would definitely put Tanahashi and Naito over Segura, and probably Miyahara too. I'd put all of them ahead of Ishida. Um, the, here's the thing with Cody, and I talked about this with Ricky Starks. He had a great year. This guy, the Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks matches earned two people jobs. Then you have the Brody Lee feud, where he did that selfless three-minute job for Brody Lee, and then the great dog collar match. The Wardlaw cage match was in February. That mm-hmm. was this year, believe it or not. The Jungle Boy match. He made he helped make stars and literally get people jobs this year and was probably the best television wrestler in the world in 2020. I have no problem with him no. being that high on the Yeah, list. yeah, no. I I am I'm, a, I'm a honestly, great year. I would have probably put him higher. I I I don't even remember where I put him on my list, but yeah, I, I think yeah, definitely. I, and 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 yeah, the Wardlow thing. I mean, people forget that was this year. <laughs> you know, like New Year's and the Darby Allen, New Year's Darby Day, New Year's Day against Darby Allen. Again, that was that year. I mean, yes, twenty twenty felt like it was nineteen months long, and and it did. But yeah, Darby Allen on New Year's Day, Wardlow in February. That was all building up to Blood and Guts, which would have probably been fucking incredible as well. That didn't happen. So then, obviously, things had to kind of slow down for a little bit. But then, once he became the TNT champion, yeah, it's a fucking you know another Darby match. Eddie Brody, Jungle Boy. I mean, there's so many then you could, ricky starks there's so many then uh that, that, that came and went that, that were just really really great matches so yeah he was an easy pick for me cody was the most interesting champion of 2020 yeah oh no yeah i, I think that yeah i'd be safe in saying that i mean it's either him or go who else would even be in competition for that for most interesting champion of the year worldwide wrestling it's I mean, Cody or Go Shields. I mean, that, that TNT stuff was appointment viewing, especially when he was doing like the "Hey, come step up" like open challenge stuff. That stuff was great. Yeah, oh, incredible, and delivered every time, and and just star making matches. Whether it was Darby Allen, Ricky Starks, Eddie Kingston, uh, Brody Lee, you go right down the line. Wardlow also Warhorse, but <laughs> Warhorse also was there. <laughs> but I Jungle like you know, I like that aspect where sometimes there were guys that didn't land or whatever. But it was just like, all right, let's see, let's go. You know, bring bring your best, let's go. And yeah, yeah, he made two stars and got two guys contracts out of it. And then you know, along the way, made Jungle Boy, made you know Darby Allen even better. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, great, great year. And I like yeah. the MJF match too at Revolution. I know a lot of people didn't. I, I thought it was great. And he just comes across like a major star. He is a major star. So there's more that goes into this. Besides just adding up the stars on your spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. So to me, um, more than deserved. I don't think Doy had a better year than those guys. I know he had the great match against KZ. Um, and then we kind of talked about some of the others. Nakajima, Moxley, Bucks, Okada. You can make arguments. Um, the top seven, though, I think is etched in stone. I wouldn't move any of these guys out of the top seven. Um Will Ospreay, who was number one the year before, Ibushi, Ishii, Omega, Shingo, Hiromu, and Goshi Ozaki, number one. How about Goshi Ozaki at number one? I was, I was kind of, I mean, not that I'm, I'm, I'm not like against it. I think he absolutely belongs. But it was just like, you know, reading, I was, I was scrolling down. I was like, man, who's number one? I was looking at these murderers row. I'm like, Will seven, okay, whatever. Kotobushi six, all right. Ishii five, Omega four, Shingo three. And I'm thinking, man, who's number one? And I get to Hiromu, and I'm like, Hiromu two. Go Shiozaki, and I was like, no, nah, I mean, he doesn't not deserve it. I mean, he absolutely is. It's it, it's it's just wild though, especially at this you know <laughs> where he is in his life right now, and especially looking at the history 
of Go Shiozaki in the scene. He wasn't ranked last year at all. <laughs> he went from zero N slash A to one. I mean, he was a guy who was thought of as a can't-miss prospect for Noah back in the day, and then he's had a snake-bit career. And this year it all came together for him. And it, it, this, you know, he'll win other awards for sure when award season hits, which should be soon. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just... It's it's a it's a year where it finally all came together for Goshi Yozaki, mm-hmm. and he was a compelling champion, and um, you know he was a great champion, and he had a bunch of great matches. You look at our match of the year balloting; you mentioned it earlier. Those are all Goshi Yozaki matches that are threatening at the top. Um, everyone he got in there with, so I don't have a problem with it at all. So you know, I think it's 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 well earned, and it's a guy who. Um, you know, has as as a little bit it took him a little bit longer, but I think he's finally fully realized what people thought he could be. Mm-hmm. So um He finally feels like himself, which is an important thing I think with Go Shiozaki is there was so many different periods where he felt like he was trying to be another guy. Obviously the Kensuke Sasaki thing, and then it's it felt like he was trying to be this guy and trying to be that guy and trying to be and then it finally was just like, hey, it's just fucking Go Shiozaki. Like he just he is what he is now and he's 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 pretty damn great. At, at what he is but yeah it's it's like the pretense has kind of gotten and he feels for the first time i i think so for the first time in his career he just feels like a, a guy who feels confident in his own body and he never felt like that at any point in his career no and and he feels like too he's carrying a promotion on his back and and again i think all of these things are factors we just talked about cody and all of the uh uh different kinds of reasons why he's you know well earned his spot at 13. Well, it really felt like this guy carried a promotion on his back all year, especially as the year uh, got moving. So um, yeah, I, a well-earned number one, he wasn't well on my hypothetical list. If I would have been a contributor, <laughs> <laughs> he was number three on my list, but I definitely considered him for number one. I considered, I would have hypothetically considered three people for number one and he was one of them. So. Um, I had Willow Spray, Kenny Omega, and Go Shiozaki, one, two, three. Um, yeah, and, and you know, again, speaking to, to, to Go, you know, we, when we were talking about, um, you know, high-level matches and, and putting a company on his back, I mean, one, was it one, two, three, four, five Noah matches right now that are all in the top 50 all have Go Shiozaki in it. Yeah. And it's not one person voting for it. <laughs> I mean, that's one match that's 30, you know, one of it appears on 20, uh, you know, 30% of all ballots. 20% of all ballots, 10% of all ballots. It's not like, you know, a, a few people putting them first and then that's pumping it all up. Like, they're, they're on a lot of ballots. So, yeah, it's, it's as, as much of a star-making, you know, year that you could have. I mean, he, he, he brought Noah, at least in our little corner of the internet wrestling world or whatever, he brought that up to the, I mean, Noah is, is one of the more prominent promotions in, in this entire thing right now. And it's, it's because of him. Yeah. Um, who do you think was the biggest snub? Well, some people are going to, you know, obviously the, the one that we were all worried about is Sasha Banks not appearing on the list and what people would say about that. Uh, she I, got votes. Yeah. Sasha Banks received votes. She just didn't end up in the final 50. Did end up in the honorable mentions. There were four, what is there, four WWE wrestlers in the honorable mentions that just missed. It was Drew McIntyre, Walter, Sasha Banks. I think it's just those three. Point. I believe it's just those yeah. three, if I remember correctly, but. And all of them, look, could have easily been on the list 
in fact, I had Walter on my list for sure. I may have had Banks. I can't remember. Um, I didn't have Drew, but um, you know, it's just it just didn't it just only shook out with Balor. But who do you think, Rich Krejci? Who was highest on your list who didn't make the final? List? I think the I think the t- the top guy I had. I'm trying to remember. I'm going through my list right now to uh, to see who I had. I think Saber was one that I definitely voted for. I was surprised that he didn't make it whatsoever. And I'm not even talking about like I'm not even a big Dangerous Techers guy, but like the match with Will and and, and Rev Pro was good. The single stuff was all pretty good with him. Uh, The other guy that that I now I'm trying to remember where I voted for him, but I probably should have voted him much higher than I probably did. I was Phoenix. So the two that I had were Phoenix and Zack Saber Jr. to me were were big surprises. Phoenix is on the list though, right? Um. Oh, Phoenix is number. I guess I have to update the spreadsheet because it shows that he's not on the spreadsheet. So there you go. Phoenix is twenty-seven. There we go. Okay. Well, the spreadsheet is wrong. So never mind. Always yeah, under Phoenix. the. Ra- oh Jesus! He's under gotta... Ray Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see the problem. Okay. That's the. That's the. Yeah. No, he he's on the list. Okay. Because so. there we go. I was looking at the list and being like, man, Ray Phoenix didn't make it. That's ridiculous. Okay. Well, then this is especially boring because mine was also Zack Saber Jr. <laughs> I had him. I had him twenty-first on on my list. And he didn't make the, the final 50. We must have been the only two people who voted for him. I guess, yeah. Because I had him, you know, pretty, 21 is pretty high. Um, I had Walter. I, I, you know, I thought Walter, even though he only had 12 matches hit tape, look at them. You've got the Ilya Dragunov match. Right. You've got the eight-man tag at Worlds Collide. Um, there were a couple others, too. I think whoever wrote that brilliant blurb laid out all of the Walter matches that uh, – what was the other one? Uh, I guess it was the only two they listed. But, you know, his hit rate was very good. Like, every time he made TV or made tape, his matches were very good. Um, the other honorable mention, I think there was another one, was uh, – oh, there's a couple more. Yukio Sakaguchi and SB Kento. So, um, I don't know if SB Kento is ready for a list like this in 20. No. Let him earn his keep. <laughs> You know, so uh, uh, a lot of CL, this CL guy, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough list. Yeah. It's a tough list. Uh, but yeah, that's the FSM 50. I, I think uh, I'm pleased with how it came out on the top end. Look, when you have that many people, nine different people trying to agree on something, no one's going to be totally happy with it because you all have your own opinions. Uh, but overall, I think it's a, another very good snapshot of the year. I think the list always works itself out, even if, you know, I'm going to personally disagree with with some of it. As long as I don't have any major gripes, then I'm okay with it. And I think uh, the most important thing is to get that top top 10 or so correct. Yeah, That's yeah. Is, is, is there like, yeah, do you want to move Maui Iwatani up from 32 to... 15 or yeah i got whatever but that's all like fringe stuff you know what i mean like that as long as you nail that top 10 and top five and the number one or whatever i think that's all that really really matters is it's just don't have an egregious number one don't have an egregious top 10 all those people need to belong and 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 they absolutely do and then yeah what what you do on the fringes uh is whatever i mean yeah if you want to move some somebody up from 28 to 12 then okay fine whatever but you got to nail that top 10. You got to nail the number one. And, and, and very often the PWI, you know, 500 does not do that. And it kind of becomes a laughing stock when, you know, it seems kind of lazily put together and it's, you know, Sasha's number one. And it's like, come on, like, what are you doing? There's, there's no way, but this one, it works a little bit. I, I, I think as long as you nail that top 10 and I think we, we, you know, or the seven brave men and women did uh, do that. I believe. So I can't speak to you, Atani. I didn't see a single match, so I have no opinion. Um, 
the people who seem to have the biggest gripes, and there weren't really a lot, were Joshi fans with Iwatani. So that seems to be, at least in the Joshi world, too low. And Cubs fan came after us for having no, uh, or came after FSM, not us, for uh, the lack of Lucha wrestlers this year. And historically, really on the list. Now, mm-hmm. Lucha always gets screwed in anything. That That's involved. every list. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but, maybe, probably, but. But sorry. this year in particular, I mean, Lucha wasn't good. No, I, I mean, mean, yeah, I, I, I will readily admit that I watched less Lucha this year than I probably ever, <laughs> you know, to be honest, ever, you know, ever in, in, in this capacity, you know, running this website or whatever. I watched Triple Mania. I watched that Lucha Fighter stuff, and that I think is it. I think that's all I watched. I mean, Lucha's not doing great in the match of the year poll. I mean, CMLL was like non-existent on the year and really, from what I understand, not putting in a ton of effort to the point I hand-waved it just based on what friends of ours had to say. AAA, I mean, they went long periods without running in between Lucha Fighter and then Triple Mania, and I, I liked Triple Mania a lot. Um, but yeah, the, the indies, because of the COVID situation, were way down, just not running. So I mean, it was a rough year in Mexico, so I can totally see why there were no full-time lucha wrestlers that cracked the list this year because Japan never stopped running. U.S. television wrestling never stopped running. U.S. indies just kept going. You know, it's, it's the lucha seemed to have a lot of trouble uh, more than the rest of the world did, uh, with the exception of Europe, which completely shut down. And as a result, there's no strictly European wrestlers on the list this year either, when normally because FSM – as a European-based magazine, there would always be a few. Yeah, I, I, that was something I really noted. Is yeah, your, uh, you know, your your progress wrestlers, right? They're they're just non-existent whatsoever on this yeah. list. Yeah, because it's just Europe shut down after February, so there was just nowhere to turn with that. Um, like a guy like Walter, I mean, if he had supplemented his NXT UK stuff with his usual output of European wrestling, he would have been a lock. You know what I mean? So I thought the two areas that suffered were, were Mexico and Europe just because COVID precluded a lot of those people from wrestling a lot. So I think that was the, the issue there. Um, anyway, that's the FSM 50. So you can uh, check that out uh, again, FSM 50, uh, VoicesWrestling.com. It's on the sidebar as well. So you can, you can look up FSM 50 on our search. Uh, it's up there pretty high, but you can also just go to the, any, any part of the website uh, and go to the side. You'll see a picture of Goshi Ozaki and it says FSM 50 on it. So. That is how you can do that. So that's that's that uh, projects. A lot of projects going on. We've had you know match of the year. We had the book is all wrapped up and done. We got match of the year coming up next week. FSM fifty this week. It's a busy time, and then things uh, kind of chill, I guess, for a little bit uh, uh, around these parts. But uh, let's talk. Uh, so, do you, any any reaction to the fight pit, or, or are we done? Uh, is that fight pit too? Coverage. No, it was okay. I mean, I'm going to watch it again with full attention. I feel bad because, because people were really excited. But see, I watched it with full attention. People were really. I, I I saw last night. People were like, "Fight Pit, talk about Fight Pit." Yo, gotta watch Fight Pit. And I was like, "All right, Joe, don't cover it on the TV reviews. I'll watch Fight Pit. We can talk about it on the flagship." So I sat down. I got ready, and yeah, it's fine. Got to commit to the bit, Rich. You got to go crazy about this match you didn't love. Um, no, I, I th- from what I saw it was borderline notebook so i want to give it an honest watch but you know i i didn't pay close enough it, it, it didn't the feel the, the problem is that first one felt like transformative the, the riddle yeah. versus thatcher was fucking incredible that was just like you know in the sea of terrible wrestling going on it was just this fucking phoenix that rose and it was just on just two dudes just beating the fuck out of each other this one had a little bit too much like i don't know 
Jeff was kind of, you know, he kind of lays it on a little too thick. I just, I just want dude, two dudes beating the fuck out of each other, and that's what Riddle and Thatcher did. Chapa eh, he doesn't do that as much, unfortunately. Yeah. Ah. But they're, uh, you, as you saw at the end, they are now a team. One of the, a rare, they used to be fighting, and now they're a team. Joe, can they coexist? We'll find out this week. Ah, Dusty you know, classic, so. <laughs> Very unique, unique storyline. <laughs> two, two of them. Uh, I mean, there are like 10 teams on Raw. Seven on SmackDown, and now, what, four on NXT, including two on that show alone that are, like, uneasy partners? Hell, on NXT alone, you had Malcolm Bivens and his new client, Russ Taylor. What is he, Russ Tyler or Tyler Rust or whatever? Rusty Tyler. Yeah, yeah. So they're, like, already fighting. You know, he's like, Russ Taylor's like, oh, I'm going to take this match with Bronson Reed. Malcolm's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And he gets his ass kicked. And Malcolm's like, see, I told you. And they're like, and they're, like, fighting already. They just started. They just started. Like, they know no other stories. They know no other stories. It's the only story they know how to tell. They have a thousand writers, 27 ex-wrestlers back there, and all they can think of. What if uh, what if they become partners, but they're kind of unsure of one another? <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you, too, a wrestler not taking the advice from his manager would be a pretty cool story if they weren't doing a thousand other stories that were exactly the same. You know, so it's like it, it's a, like or, or a tag team that doesn't get along. Like if you did it once every five years instead of once every five months, then, you know, maybe it'd be a cool story. Yeah, they, they totally do overdo that. We have to get to Impact Hard to Kill because there's a lot to unpack there. How much of that show did you watch? I, uh, well, unfortunately saw all of it. So I saw every, okay. every minute of Impact Hard to Kill. That's the answer I was looking for because I have to piss. So you <laughs> are going to talk everybody through. I jumped into this show at the X Division title three-way. Okay, that's fine. So I, I will be... Uh, you you take us through the first oh, half of the show. <laughs> okay, all right. And I will jump in and uh, yeah, go ahead, Rich. Oh boy, this, okay. So the only problem though is two of the matches were pretty shitty and not fun, shitty, just kind of shitty, shitty. But uh, the opener was uh, Decay. It was Crazy Steve and Rosemary uh, defeating the uh, team of Caleb with a K uh, and Tennille Dashwood. This match went uh, eight minutes, eight minutes and fifty five seconds. I I actually kind of like this. It wasn't good in the sense of like good. You, you know, like sit down and watch a match and it's going to be, you know, you're like, oh, man, the work was incredible or that. But it was like it had the right comedy spots at the right time and had the right bullshit at the right time. The Caleb with a K gimmick and the Steel Dashwood gimmick, I like. I think it's kind of fun and it's kind of endearing and it's original. Uh, there was one spot where Caleb was doing a, you know, he was going to do something from the top rope and, and Tenille wanted him to stop so that she could take a picture of it. And that shit's great. Like, it, 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 it's relatable. It's kind of a modern story that's being told where you got Tenille, this, like, you know, Instagram influencer who just gets her picture taken all over the time. And then Caleb, her her photographer, and they're just stopping to take photos. Like, it was really, really cool stuff with, with them. And, and, yeah, the crazy Steve Rosemary stuff, I could kind of take or leave most of the time but in this case i think it worked off pretty well uh with the kill with the k and and, and Tino dashwood so is it a good bell to bell match no absolutely not absolutely absolutely not is it worth checking out at least is it worth maybe kind of jumping into and just watching for nine minutes i think so i really do and i i, I did not expect uh, to say, oh yeah, Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K versus Rosemary and Crazy Steve uh, was going to be a really good uh, or a match that I would actually enjoy, but uh, but I did, and it had my hopes up that hey, Hard to Kill is going to be a pretty fun show, 
I can't wait. That's uh, not exactly how things went. Anyway, uh, we had old school I rules. I thought we'd be up to the the X division title match already. No, you're, I was. Well, no, I went into it like at a very. I'm telling you, had you. a lot. To, no, I heard you from the toilet. You uh, had watch a this lot match. To say watch about it. That I, it's yeah. kind of fun. It's a really fun match. I'm not kidding. Yeah. This Caleb with a K and Daniel Dash. I I love this act. It's a good act. Yeah, I I I have to admit, I'm somewhat ironically into that act because they're 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 enough dorky but it, like i said it's relatable dorkiness because like i buy that Tennille dashwood would like stop in the middle of a match to take a selfie like yeah. we know people like that <laughs> like i know people that do that it would, you know are in the middle of a street taking a selfie for some fucking reason because they so no i like the act it's pretty good and and and, and crazy steven rosemary were okay uh don't worry i have very little to say about the next two matches so we can blow by those pretty quickly uh old school rules eric young joe doring and deaner uh, versus Tommy Dreamer, Rhino, and uh, Cousin Jake. Uh, you expecting and getting excited about Joe Doring in a wrestling ring? Eh, he looks So how did he look? He's in okay shape. He's not in as good a shape as he was when he kind of debuted. And, and initially, you know, he like ripped his shirt off and he looked like, you know, pretty good. He's He looks like he's hurting, man. I don't know. Um, I don't think you're getting Joe. You're not getting Joe Doring triple crown champion at any point uh, in Impact. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? But I mean, they were. It was okay, but it was just a bunch of plunder. And it's like, dude, my 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 fucking tolerance for guys hitting each other with shit is is at an all time low, especially in 2020, where people have just relied on that so much. Of hey, there's no crowd, so let's hit each other with trash cans and and kendo sticks and shit. So I don't know. It was it was okay, but um, was it was pretty uh, wild. Is that Eric Young got the pin on Cousin Jake, which I don't know if I would. Uh, I don't know if I'd be doing that. I might pin, you know, Rhino or Tommy Dreamer. But, you know, if you got to pin your, you know, up-and-coming young wrestler, then I guess you got to do that. So, there you go. Um, Fire and Flava. Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles defeat Havoc and Nevaeh. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you think this match was? I mean... I can picture it in my head. It was fucking tro- uh, atrocious. So, uh, yeah. pretty, pretty bad. Um... Yeah, I, I, this is real bad. This is, I, uh, and I'm going to start to the uh, return of the Knockouts Tag Team titles, which I think has been gone since Eric Young and ODB had them, right? Am I correct in that? Because remember they had them for like three years and they just gave up with them because they put them on them because it was funny because Eric, you know, Eric Young's a, a guy and he had the, the Knockouts title and then they just forgot about yeah. it and didn't do much, so... Let me pull it up and see uh, the, the, the storied history. I don't that, know if... I, it may have changed hands somewhere in between there. I forget, but... I know that there wasn't many champions after those two. So, uh, even right, though it was a cool so, belt for a while. Well, the belt overall has a 2.47 rating on Cage Match. <laughs> you are correct that they were the last champions, and this was 2013. So, the titles have been vacant for nearly 3,000 days. Yeah. So, yeah, well, they just got bored with the concept and um, and and turned it into a joke, and then I mean that team held the title for almost 500 days, but like you're saying, <laughs> right? Like, it was they, just they, about. Yeah, they didn't even bring them out. They, yeah, it was just a, a prop for a little while. So, um, yeah, they, yeah. I think what I think Eric Young was not even in the company at the point, and <laughs> he was still the champion at some point. So, uh, yeah, it it was not good. So uh, skip that one if you can. Um, then we had uh, Ace Austin who came out and he uh, he called his shots and tried to insert himself into the X Division three way. Uh, I think Scott Demore came out and said, "No, you can't do that." But I have a man who you can face. You might say he's always ready. And then <laughs> Matt Cardona came out, and yeah. this fucking 
goddamn dork ass match striker goes, Oh, I'm marking up, bro. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. No. Like, you know, the Booker T thing that he, he likes to poke fun yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Cardona, he went, Whoa, what's Matt Cardona doing here? I'm marking up, bro. And this is the exact thing that you should not do if you're impact. The, yep. the cardinal sin of impact wrestling for all these years is bringing geek WWE guys and then treat them like they're the biggest fucking deal in the universe. Yeah. Just have Mark Cardona come out and go, oh, wow, Matt Cardona, he, you know, former da-da-da-da, former da-da-da. He's, now he's an impact ring. Okay, let's go. Now he's a guy of our roster. When you go, oh, my God, what? Matt Cardona? Yeah. Like, it makes you look – but it's fucking Zack Ryder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Fresh off of not getting signed by AEW. Well, yeah. Or, well, Stein's not being great. renewed on, on his uh, yeah. short-term deal, I guess I should say. So. Five-match deal. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I'll say the same thing now I said then. I think he's a smart guy to have on your roster because of his social media following, because of the following that his podcast has. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, now every week he's going to tell his millions of followers on social media and he's going to talk about impact on his uh, on his, uh, on his his podcast. And you're, you know, you get all that exposure to all to all of those people, and hopefully you pick a few up as fans. I thought that was the the upside for AEW using them short term, and I think that's the upside for Impact using them. Oh, if and, I'm Impact, I, I 100% get him. I just don't, I don't treat him like he's the fucking second. No, I agree. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the only difference. But uh, he he basically beat up Ace Austin for a few minutes. Uh, Ace Austin, Ace Austin took a powder, I believe, and then that was the yeah, that was the match. So I think it was a no contest, or maybe Cardona beat him, or something. I forget what it was, but. And that feud must continue yes. on Impact this week. So um, that, that's at least they're not like pushing them right to the top or anything like that. You know, they're bringing them in as a mid card guy, and then uh, I guess we see what happens. I guess it was a matter of time with Brian Myers already being there. You know, it just made too much. Yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and again, I'm, I have no problem. I mean, that, that's a good spot for Matt Cardona. That's a good signing by Impact. So uh, the key is obviously, like you said, not give him a world title run and maybe don't treat him like he's this gigantic star. You know, you know that's but. Other than Matt Stryker being a dork ass about it, uh, otherwise they haven't treated him like a star so far, so that's good. Well, let's do Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown then. Uh, overall, I like them. Idiot. Overall, I like them. I thought D'Lo was was really good. Um, <laughs> Matt, uh, man, the problem with Matt Stryker is I want to like him. Like I'll like him for an hour, and then he'll say I'm marking out, bro. When Matt Cardona comes out, and I'm just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I thought his bad habits for the most part were reined in. And I thought he was doing a really good job for the most part. He did also at one point, I think before the main event, say this is the most important day in the history of this business. <laughs> yeah, he can't do – see, that's credibility killer. Right. He can't – He goes, you, you – know? you, oh, oh, my God. No, I remember the time when – because, like, for an hour, he was fine. After the I'm marking out, bro, I was like, all right. And then I was fine. And then he said, you will tell your grandchildren you were there when Kenny Omega appeared in an Impact Wrestling ring. And I said, God help me if I tell my grandchildren. Yeah. Oh, come here. Come here. Let me tell you about the time when I saw Kenny Omega in Skyway Studios. Wrestling. <laughs> like, if I remember that when I'm 70, I should probably just put a fucking bullet through my forehead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you God. Can't... There is such a thing as overselling something. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and then it's it kills your credibility. So, yeah. yeah. That was, I forgot about that one. You will, we are all experiencing a moment. You will tell your grandchildren, your, your grandchildren's children will tell each other, you were here when Kenny Omega appeared in an Impact Wrestling ring. It's like, uh. Yeah, calm down, buddy. <laughs> like, uh, no, but I mean, people were acting like Matt Stryker was triple a triple mania level bad but no he wasn't. no no he, he definitely was not no 
yeah, I didn't have much of a problem with him. He he did have a few moments like that where it's like you're rolling your eyes and his worst habits are coming out. But for the most part, he was fine. I I, I he was probably a little better than Josh Matthews. Um, you know, so it, it's a slight improvement there. D'Lo Brown, I think, you know, he he came across to me like a guy who's new at this job. He wasn't bad. I don't think he was particularly good, but I thought he was fine. He was perfect. He was a replacement level uh, analyst in my eyes. And I think that this crew has potential to be okay. They're already okay. You know, they could be pretty good. So, um, you know, I, I think the, the commentating is upgraded a bit. I think they needed some fresh voice. They Josh did. Yeah, Josh is, Josh is bad. And Josh has all the terrible WWE habits uh, as yeah. well that really hurt. Um, and, and the stuff with Madison, like I enjoyed, but it, it, you can only do that for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And since she was going, I think just pressing the reset on the whole booth is the way to go. Josh Matthews finessing his way into the uh, producer job, the way that Michael Cole is the uh, producer over on the other uh, with WWE. You know, now Josh Matthews has that job with Impact. He's been there forever and he's been a good soldier. So I guess he got a promotion of sorts. So uh, whatever, good for him. But um, I do think the booth needed a refresh, and and I, I thought these guys were fine. So uh, I could jump in with you now. We had the X Division three-way. Yeah, yeah. Manic. So that was Manic, Chris Bay, Rohit Raju. Yep. I thought this was the second best match of the matches I saw. I really liked it. Borderline notebook. I thought uh, TJ Perkins, who has been Excuse okay. Me? Who? <laughs> I see him I see him in a million different places. I see him in MLW. I see him on New Japan Strong. I see him in Impact. And he's a really solid worker, but he really I thought this was his best performance in a long time. He was great. This was one of those nights where he's just on. And I thought that he was really great here. And I thought the other two guys were really good too. And Matt Stryker, I don't know if you saw this. But earlier in the week, he had complained. TJ Perkins had complained on Twitter that the Impact announced team, talking about Matthews, didn't understand their own storyline because they were acting like you're not supposed to know it's TJP. When the story is that you are supposed to know that it's TJP. So Matt Stryker goes out of his way. He must have said that this was TJP under the mask. No exaggeration, <laughs> a dozen times in the first half of this match, to the point that D'Lo had to step in and say something. Like, do you think that was like him kissing up to TJP, or do you think he was mocking TJP for making a big deal? Yeah, out of I don't know. I don't know because, yeah, like you said, he said it like fifteen times, and D'Lo's like, "Well, now come on, Matt, we're not sure. We don't know exactly." <laughs> and Matt's like, "No, we do. Look at his tattoos. Look at it's clearly." TJP and he's like, well, I mean, we don't know. We, we haven't seen him without the mask off. And then what's what's funny is later in the match, the mask goes off, and Matt Stryker goes, "See, that's TJP." And and D'Lo goes, "I admit, it does look a lot like TJP." <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's it face paint. Yeah, he did like the kitchen liger spot. Yeah, yeah. And, and D'Lo still was not convinced that that was definitely TJP because he had to work against it a little bit because yeah, Matt Stryker was just like, "Well, that's TJP. We know that's TJP." That's obviously yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he said, all right, well, screw you. I'm going to make, like, I don't know. I don't know what type of guy Matt Stryker is. I don't know if he's the type of guy that would kind of do you a solid as, as a wrestler or if he would kind of like tongue in cheek bury you. Uh, it, it was it, so over the top that he was either, he was either like ribbing 
Matthews or ribbing TJP? Right. He was ribbing somebody, and it's just a matter of who. <laughs> it had to be one or the other. You know what I mean? It had to be Matthews, you suck. You didn't understand the story. Or it had to be TJP, you're a nerd. Why were you complaining about this? So I'm going to go over the top with it. Because it was just way too much. But uh, I thought the match was really good. And uh, TJP retains. What did you think of the match? I liked it a lot. And I think the thing that I, I, I really did enjoy it uh, about it the most is that the pace was really good. And something that I always, you know, anytime there's a triple threat match or a three-way match or whatever the hell, doesn't matter what company it is, if it's WWE or whatever, it's the tropes of, of I, one guy goes out and two guys wrestle and then, you know, the guy has a pin and the other guy comes and breaks it up. And, it, you know, that same sort of stuff you get all the time. Or, you know, one guy dives on two people. It's just the same stuff that we've seen a thousand times now in, in, the, in these three-way matches. This they really did not do that a lot in this match. There was a few moments where like one guy was on the outside selling or whatever, but for the most part, these guys, these three guys, like wrestled in the ring together uh, against one another. And like I used to love three way dances. I used to love those matches, like in early ECW style when they first started doing them, or you know even some other companies would would, would, would do them. I know WCW did a, a few here and there. Like the early three, you know, three way matches were just like three guys wrestling with each other and like trying to figure out how to maneuver around each other's bodies, and that was really cool. And then somewhere along the line, we all kind of fell into the trope. Of of, you know, one guy has to get, you know, drop kicked out of the ring and then sell for 10 minutes while the two guys go in the ring. And they did not do that in this match. They kept all three guys in the ring for most of the match. And, and instead, it was the dynamic of trying to get a pinfall before the other guy could could save it, but not the guy saving it out of nowhere. Like the guy was standing right there and you had to try to kind of get a pinfall before he could get up and, and, and break it up. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And it made it it made it a, a really, really cool pace, which. A lot of times, triple, you know, these three-way dances, triple threat matches don't have a very good pace because they, they, they fall too easily into those tropes, and I just kind of get bored by them. Yeah. TJP was on fire here. I thought he was really He was great. Good. Yeah, I thought all three guys were, were fantastic. Rohit Raju, most improved guy, I would say, this year. I mean, uh, we're one of the most improved guys. I mean, he is he's a guy who was just a dude, you know, a guy who was like, hey, yeah, good character. Good. He's a great worker now. He's gotten it. He's figured it out. Impact's a yeah. great spot for him, too. Uh, Deanna Perazu, Taya Valkyrie, Impact Knockouts Championship. I thought this was... Eh, eh. Taya's terrible. Taya's really bad. I told you she's not good. She can go wherever the hell she wants to go. I don't really care. So Yeah, so she finished up. That's legit. They wrote her off on the TV. She She's the one that killed Johnny Bravo. Oh, my God. She or shot, shot Johnny Bravo. He's not dead. He's, he's alive. Sorry. Yes. Um. So she's on her way somewhere. Go I don't know. Bye. <laughs> go away. Um. I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know. And the match was, eh. It's in slow motion. Very slow, very sloppy. Nothing felt, like, well done. Everything felt like it was labored and just kind of, yeah. Even, like, she was trying to do, like, the, the Fujiwara armbar. Diana was trying to do a Fujiwara armbar. It took, like, 10 seconds to, like, get it. It just, yeah, it was, eh, I don't know. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slap pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. What's better than the next thing? Oh god. <laughs> oh god, the karate man versus Ethan Page. Um what do you say about this? This was the most embarrassing pile of crap I've seen. And if you are going to do cinematic matches, if you're going to do this sort of shit, at least at least try to make them look okay. If they're going to look like shit and they're going to be dorky, at least try to make them funny. This looked like shit and was not... E- I, I didn't... Joe, not even the thought of cracking a smile at any point during this. It wasn't even meant to be funny, was it? Well, here's Where the problem. Where were the jokes? Like, I don't even know what the jokes were. Here's the problem, Rich. You obviously didn't see the full edit. Oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you obviously didn't see the... I missed the part the- that was awesome with all the funny comedy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
I just saw the part where he screamed and kicked, and then he ripped his heart out, and I was supposed to say, huh, okay. I'd love to see what got left on the cutting room floor, because that had to be just the most incredible shit in the world. Well, he um, immediately tweeted that he hated it, and it was a pile of shit. Correct. And then he deleted, then he deleted the tweet. And at first, I thought he was just being, like, an asshole because it got such a negative reaction, so he was just, like, being sarcastic and agreeing. But as it turns out, he was legitimately angry because he claims it was edited down <laughs> from his final cut. This is what he posted in Matt Cardona's, like, toy blog, okay. Facebook page, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and... I'm sorry, I don't know what was cut from this, but there's nothing you could insert into this that was going to make <laughs> right. I mean, like, it, that's like our joke about, oh, the part, you know, our, our our podcast didn't, you know, record, and it was the greatest shit ever. It was an incredible segment. Like, yeah, that's what he's telling us here, but, like, what, because I, I, I read the post, and, like, yeah, he's like, oh, it was, like, you know, more funny, and it looked better, and all this, but, like, okay, it, what was different about this than the other Karate Man shit? Like what got left? What, what the, the tone of the thing is exactly the tone that you've had with this Karate Man thing the entire time. Nothing was going to make this funny. No, it's a bad idea. Now look, I get his perspective. If you put work into something, you don't like someone else editing it, right? That's bothersome because he thinks it's good. He put his work into now, it. Now, are we? Sh- I, I, okay, I don't want to call him, but like, it looks exactly like the one he edited. You saw the full edit. I, no, I saw that fucking other Karate Man stuff that he's he's put on. Yeah, but I think he's saying that stuff was cut out of it. Okay. I think that's what he's saying, that it was edited down, not in terms of the production values, but like you're saying, stuff got left on the cutting room floor, so to okay. speak, well, which right. would have held it all together, yeah. told a better story. But I'm saying there's nothing you can insert into this that no. would have made it good. It was embarrassing. And... You know, maybe he it, 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 he thought it was funny and it fit his sense of humor, but this did not get over with anyone. I mean, but I could see why you'd be annoyed if someone took your work and edited it down in a way that you didn't approve. That is annoying. Right, 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 right. I mean, you know, it's like, so I understand that, but it was still shit. Shit is still shit. This is not a good idea. And I don't want to repeat all our talking points about him from last week. But look, I think he's probably going to end up in AEW. I do think he's a creative guy. But he definitely needs to be reined in. And some of his ideas just need to be um, filtered and controlled. And it's just... It's weird because in a lot of ways, the AEW environment is conducive to being over the top and silly. But in a lot of ways, it's it's you you don't okay. There's what there's all in with the penis druids, and then there's dynamite, and there is a fine line mm-hmm. between yeah, the right, two. right, right. There's there's being the elite, and there's dynamite, and there is a fine line between the two. And I think he's more of the former than the latter. You understand what I'm saying? And I, my concern is that. A lot of his bad ideas are going to either get through if he's an AEW and we're all going to be annoyed or his ideas aren't going to get through and he's going to sulk again and pull the movie always pulls. And, you know, and, and we talked a lot about that last week. So I don't know if if that's where he's heading. Right. And he does need a visa. If that's where he's heading, man, that could either be 
the perfect spot for him or incredibly toxic for all Right, sides. yeah, because the problem that, that, that could happen, and, and it seems to be a problem that he runs into a little bit, is is either being told no or, or things get changed. And, like, you're going to be, in a, you're gonna be a, a small fish in a big pond. You know, for a while, you've yeah. been able to be one of the top guys on the indies, one of the top guys in Impact. You know, one, one, one of them pushed commodities in here and here and here. If, if you're joining AEW or you're joining NXT or you're joining whatever, you're going to hear no a lot. You know what I mean? Especially if you're a creative guy. And that sucks. Like, it, it sucks. Like, it, 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 like, we've all dealt with that. I, I deal with it at my job constantly of, of, you know, hey, here's this idea that I have and I really like the idea and I get in and, and then my boss just, no, I don't, I, no. And it's just like, oh, all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it really, it, 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 it stuns you a little bit when you're like, ah, fuck. Like, I really, I really thought I sold that pretty well, but you said no in like 10 seconds. That kind of sucks. And, and Paige is clearly a guy who does think creatively about stuff and does have big ideas and, and, and is creative, but he's going to hear no a lot. And how does he handle hearing no? How does he hear somebody laughing and I'm going, no, we're not going to do that. Are you kidding? Come on, man. No, we're not doing that. How's it's he going to handle just, that? It's just such a red flag when every single exit is every, tumultuous. Every, 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 everyone. Yeah. And look, I get it's the wrestling business, right? But every exit is tumultuous. Like that this is one. A gigantic red flag. And this, this one's the biggest red flag to me for impact. I get the gripes that he had with evolve. I get the gripes that he had with ring of honor. I get the gripes that he's had with this or this or whatever. Having gripes about impact for him to me, it's like, I, I can't buy that dude. I really can't. I mean, you were pushed as a top commodity, a tag. T- you held the tag team titles. You're almost your entire fucking run. You had great, you know, great, spots and great matches with, with with josh alexander whatever and they let you do this geek shit on the way out they let you do your little dumb gimmick and sell merch and all this sort of stuff on the way out yeah maybe they edited two minutes off the cry the video or whatever but if i'm impact i don't i don't owe you shit i could tell you I, i'd say no we're not doing any karate man bullshit get the hell out of here <laughs> like you know you're well, leaving he, he claims i think he claimed in the write-up that they asked him to do karate man and for this and that he just does what he's told and i just do what's scripted i think that's how he worded it okay but it's like if you didn't want to do Karate Man and Impact, why didn't it's your character? You can say why no too. Say no? Yeah, yeah, you can say no as well. Just don't shoot it then. You're on your way out. And I get okay. Be a good soldier. Do what's asked. And but then, then you, you can't. Can. But you can't be a good soldier and then turn around and say this is bullshit. Right. I think he's mad that they asked him to do it and then they edited it in a way that he didn't like. I think that's that's the gist that I okay. got. I mean, I get it, but I also, it. I mean, I don't know. But you're also on the way out, and it's like my problem is. It's always like this. Every place he leaves, it's 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 tumultuous. It, there's a dispute. There's he had issues, and it's not even so much that there's always an issue on the exit with him. It's that he always voices the issue of uh, upon exit. There's a lot to be said for just keeping things quiet or keeping them behind the scenes. And presenting a different public face. What damage does it do him to say, I enjoyed my time in Evolve or Impact or wherever, and now I'm moving on? And, keep, and, and making that his public stance while complaining about all of these things privately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something to be said for that too in terms of professionalism. You, you know, it's like, I get having issues with various wrestling promoters. They're wrestling promoters. Okay, it's a dirty business. Yeah, they're the scummiest people on the earth. And, and I, I say that as somebody who knows wrestling promoters, and they'd probably tell you the same fucking thing because they know it's a scummy but bla- business. But blazing a trail of bodies behind every time, 
is a gigantic red flag. Yeah, especially when you're not Loki. When you're the talent of Loki, you can get away with it. And even he got ostracized and is no longer, you know, no, booked he, by anybody, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, he, he doesn't get booked. And Loki's he's like, he's an all-time great, <laughs> and people have decided he's not worth the trouble. He's got one place left where he can work. And look, I'm just saying, you know, it's just a red flag to me, and it tell, it, it makes me think that this guy is a pain in the ass. To deal well, with. It's no different than if you're hiring an employee and you call their last four employers and they say, yeah, nah, it didn't go very well at the end or I'm whatever. I'm going to tell you what, no, that's a, that's, that's a good, no, you know what it's more? It's me if I sit down with someone to interview them and they trash their Oh, last that's four. true. Yeah, you're right, right, right. Because then as, a, as, as someone who does this for a living and I interview, you know, salaried people who, who, are, who are, have careers and that's a giant red flag when they trash all of their former employees. Right. Oh, this place sucked, listening. and that place sucked, and this sucked, and it's it's like, yeah. well, are you going to feel any differently with this job? <laughs> like, I, like, yeah, that, and that's a tip to anyone listening: when you job interview, do not trash your former employers. That's that's a that's a huge negative, and that's something that'll prevent you from getting hired. You know, um, and and, and that's kind of how he comes across. He's just the guy that trashes all his former. Uh, jobs that's and, like and, and there's a difference between saying you know oh everything was great or saying like you know yeah that, like there were some things that I wanted to do and they had kind of wanted to go in a different direction and you know I, I really you know there were some things I really thought I could do you know help them out a little bit more with and they didn't you know agree there's ways to kind of say hey the reason I left is is blank or whatever without yeah like you said without saying yeah fuck that place and what a what a piece of crap that place was that place sucked yeah my boss sucked that sucked the job sucked yeah you know that that's yeah that is a red flag of okay well you know, you're going to come to this or yeah, if you say it for, yeah, that job's like, oh, no, that one sucked too. Yeah, I didn't like the, anybody there. It's like, okay, well, why am I going to hire you to this job when I'm pretty sure you're going to say that this job sucks now too. So giant um, red flags. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's just I enjoyed my time there and it helped advance my career and I'm looking for new opportunities, right. period. You know, and, and he and that's a real world example, but. Even if he had legitimate gripes in all of these places, which is possible, keep them to yourself, man. It's just – I don't think he understands how he comes across, and he's just this kind of guy who plays it off like, well, I don't care. But I, you know he does. He's the gotten-to guy that acts like he's not gotten-to. You know, and it's like – you know, and that's why I think if AEW is the next stop, man, that, that can go one of two ways. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch play out. Um, but uh, we'll have to see if that's ultimately where he ends up. I don't know. Yeah, we're not sure uh, what's going to be. I, not now, now, if I'm Impact, he would have went out laying on his back doing a job to Josh Alexander. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you, I, I'm not going to really. If I'm him, I'm not getting super upset because they probably did the best thing for him to leave. Because yeah, that's exactly how he's leaving my company. Is 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 him and Josh Alexander break up, and Josh Alexander beats him and pins him in the middle of the ring, and and he moves on, and 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 you move on type thing so i don't know yeah and if it's and you know you can't have it both ways he can't play the card of oh well, i didn't want to do a job to well he said in his statement that he just does what he's told and follows a script right well if that's the case then i mean i would have had him lose to job and then, look i have no idea if there was any kind of pitch in that direction or whether someone said no i don't know all i'm saying is if i'm booking this show that's how he's going out a six minute job to josh alexander where josh alexander looks dominant I mean, that's just old school. That's how you do things. Well, the new school is you you have a, uh, a cinematic match on your way out where your, your yeah. heart is ripped out. So there you go. Uh, God, 2020 wrestling. 2021 wrestling now. Uh, Barbed Wire Massacre 
Eddie Edwards versus Sam McCallahan. I like this. What do you think? Um, I mean, it wasn't great. I'm not going to like go back and rewatch it, but I thought it was, I was entertained for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I feel like, like at the time I was like, I think I tweeted, I think that was good, but who the hell knows, <laughs> right. who the hell cares? Like, I don't know. I guess it was a good plunder match. I don't know. It. I just, I guess I just matches like this. It's hard for me. Now nah, I don't know. It, it. I recognize what they did was good, but. I didn't really care. I'm just watching it zoned out. I don't know. I really don't have anything else to add. It's Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan plundering it up. And it was fine. But a lot of people really loved it. And it sounds like you liked it more than I did. So, I don't know. I did not get back in time, did I? No. <laughs> I thought I was knocked offline. <laughs> a good 45 seconds of dead air. Oh, God. Oh, dear God. Well. Yeah. yeah you know, you can always chop it out. Or you can leave this awkward exchange in there. I like the awkward leave exchange. It. So they're going back. So. Make people think that, they're, that their phones stop. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like the lands of the long pauses. Yeah, we could have said that was part of the, uh, part of the act because you... I'm sure just finished an incredible, incredible statement about Eddie Edwards and Sammy Kale. No, so. I had nothing oh. to say. <laughs> I, I kind of thought you did, I guess. Silent. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, yeah, I, it was fine. Yeah, like you said, I, 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 like my tolerance for guys hitting each other with shit is, is pretty low right now. But other than they, these guys hit each other with shit in an entertaining way. So at least I, I enjoyed certain parts of it. But uh, I'm really ready for Eddie Edwards to give this up. But we're like three years into this now. I don't think he's ever giving it. I think he's found his new calling in life, so uh, good for him, I guess. Uh, and then we had our main events, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Rich Swan, Chris Sabin, and Moose. Alex Shelley, not able to be there. Uh, still, Do we still know why, or I guess we don't? It wasn't the TV either, because they did the private party versus Sabin and James Storm. Mm, right, right. So, I don't know. Okay. So. We don't know. Moose took advantage, though. He was great. Moose was fantastic in this match. He was really, really good. He he came across like a big-time star, a big-time main eventer, so much so that like I know that the long play that a lot of people have is Omega versus Swan. I like Rich Swan, but I'm, I'm pushing Rich Swan out of there. I'm doing Omega versus Moose. You know well, what I mean? Teased, well, they tease Swan versus Moose on TV. Okay. That, you know, they must have seen it there. They have an idea as well. Good, Smart for them because Moose came across like a big-time star here, a, a real representative of Impact. And Rich Swan came across not not bad, but like Moose just felt like a star. Rich Swan didn't feel like a star in this match. I know Swan's the champion, but I don't know that he's the big match for Omega. You know what I mean? Right, right. It, Impact doesn't have a signature guy. They don't have their AJ Styles or Kurt Angle or even a Christian Cage or whoever over the years, Samoa Joe. Um, they don't have a, a, a signature guy now, which is the obvious match for Omega. So they kind of have to make one. And Rich Swan, I like Rich Swan, I really do. He's not it. Mm-mm. Even though he's their world champion, he's not that guy. Um, and I think he could have a great match with Kenny Omega, but I just don't think it's a big money match at all. So maybe they are going to pivot to Moose 
and have Moose beat Swan and have both titles, the fake one and the real one, and then do Moose versus Omega. Um, maybe that will be the direction. But this was a really great match. I thought this was um, definitely a notebook match, and it delivered. And Omega pinned Swan clean in the middle. Would you have done that, or would you have pinned Saban? Well, again, I don't think Swan, even though he's the champion, is a big money match. I just and, don't. and that's and and I I hundred percent agree. And that's why when that finish happened, I went, "Ooh, okay, hold on a minute." Like Moose felt like the bigger star here, even though he was the replacement, which is weird, you know, in a, in a, in a very yeah. odd way. And then when it was done, it was like you know Moose felt like the big star, and then you know Swan took the pinfall, and I'm like, "Well, what the fuck?" Like maybe they are pivoting to Moose. Like here's what I want to ask you. If you do Omega versus Swan, do you do it on TV? Because that'll pop a big number. Yes. And it, you see where I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that on the pay-per-view, because I don't think it's a big – look, any Omega pay-per-view match I, theoretically should be big. And we'll see what kind of numbers this did. But Omega challenging anyone for the title should be big. But I think you can have a bigger Omega one-on-one title match with someone else. So maybe you can do Swan on TV instead of waiting for the next pay-per-view. And and pop your TV with Omega versus Swan, so it seems like you agree. Yeah, I, I totally, totally, and and I they, I don't know if they lucked into this, if this is a long term play with Moose. I don't know what it was, but th- yeah, they got something here. I mean, this is it's 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 pretty incredible too with, with with Moose because you know over the course of last year, like you know this time last year, I I really had n- I had nothing with Moose. I mean, I was kind of down on him. I kind of thought he was nothing. He was he was going nowhere. It really felt like he was kind of stalling out as 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 a wrestler, and then he he gets this fake title, this TNA title, and he's fucking made himself a star, man. He is back, and he 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 felt so much like the biggest star in this match, you know, obviously with Omega uh, as well. But th- it felt like when it was done, like you want to see Moose versus Omega. You you that is your guy, that is your representative, that is your star. And I never would have thought I'd feel that way even a year ago. Uh, with Moose, but he's done a damn good job on Impact. He's, he really has, and 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 you've seen it in the, the way he conducts himself, the, the the aura that he has around him, and he he comes across as a star. He feels like a star, and he's starting to wrestle a bit like a star as well. So um, yeah, they kind of lucked into this. I think it's actually made like it's like Alex Shelley. Obviously, I would rather see from an in ring standpoint, I'd rather see Alex Shelley in there. But I think this match was great with Moose involved, and in I think it had more it had more gravity and it had more aura around it with Moose in there, and it would not have had the same with Alex Shelley. So. No, it worked out better because it seems like it elevated Moose. Yeah, exactly. So good, good on them. I, I, they either lucked into this. This was the long term play. I don't know what the hell, but I liked it. I thought it was great, and 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 they they made the most of a, of whatever the situation is with Alex Shelley. To we talk it. about it all the time. It's a wrestler taking advantage of an opportunity. In the case of Moose, you know, grabbing it by the throat and okay, I wasn't supposed to be in this spot. We assume, but now I'm in it. And he was the best person in the match. He was incredible in the match. And there was a cool story involved with it as well because Rich Swan's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, Moose, I'm not going to wrestle with Moose. He, he, and, yeah. and Moose backstage being like, look, I played football with guys I hated. We go out there, bell rings, I'm, I'm on your team. That's all you got to worry about. And I'm like, yeah, let's yeah. go. I like it. Like, I, I, I could hate you, but we're on the same team right now, man. So I'm going to try to get that W. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I'm in. Like, but the more having to talk him into doing it in the yeah. first place. And then, and, and, and then on this week, you know, Moose now saying, well, look, we're not on the same team anymore. You know, and, and now they're they're kind of building towards right. Yeah, it's cool. It's good stuff. So I mean, you know, it's 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 to me. There's more interesting possibilities with Moose in the mix than if he wasn't in the mix. But um, I'm very curious to see what kind of numbers the pay per view does. I assume there'll be an uptick in buys. The question is how much. But 
as far as Kenny Omega's impact in impact, I didn't mean to do that. Um, WrestleNomics had great numbers on their show this past week. So the five weeks prior to Omega's debut, they averaged 141,000 viewers, 43,000 in the demo. Okay. Omega debuts, they do the big number, 222,000 that week, 99,000 in the demo. We talked about it at length. Huge increases. So the five weeks since Kenny Omega has debuted, throwing out the big number for his debut, they're up 3% in total viewers, 9% in the demo. Now that lines up to Kenny Omega's trends on Dynamite, where he doesn't really do well with overall viewers but always does particularly well in the 18 to 49 demo. So that totally lines up with his dynamite quarter hours. But here's the thing. You have to throw out the two recap weeks that were in those five weeks. Cause there were two weeks in there where impact was recap shows at the end of the year. If you throw those out, they're up 15% in total viewers and 37% in the 18 to 49 demo. Wow, yeah. So it's very obvious that Kenny Omega has been a big draw for impact when you look at those numbers because they're up a little bit even when you count the, the recap shows that nobody watched. But they're up big, real big in the 18 to 49 if you throw those out. And this week's show, we don't have the numbers yet because of uh, Martin Luther King Day, but the Twitch stream, if that's any indication, again, the AEW relationship's helping them a ton. Because they went from about 6,000 viewers on Twitch to 9,200 viewers when Matt Hardy and Private Party came out. I mean, that's a 50% increase for Hardy and Private Party making their appearance. And they peaked at about 4,000 viewers higher than they did the week before on Twitch. You would think that the television would then correspond with that. There's no reason to think it wouldn't. So... Kenny Omega and the AEW relationship clearly helping impact here. So you would think that it also helped the pay-per-view. I mean, you know, I don't understand why that wouldn't correlate to some degree. Yeah, right? it's the problem, though, is like, and you know this, and anybody who's studied, you know, impact business or TNA business throughout the years is... Even during their peak years, they fucking never sold pay per views for some reason. Like these fans, I agree, but in this case, it should be. It should be. Yeah, I, I would really hope so. I would really, really hope that this is because it would, it would, it would be at least a little bit of a proof of concept here uh, uh, for it. And it does, it does trend well. That yeah, the, the the automatic increases with Kenny Omega being involved in Impact should hopefully have made uh, a, a few extra hundred or whatever that maybe even a thousand people decide to buy this pay per view, and that that would be really cool to see. So. And who does Omega do well with on Dynamite? 18 to 49, and in particular, males 18 to 49. Yeah, well, I, right? can, tell you, I can tell you for sure, just from like my, our own standpoint of our own business, is people bought the pay-per-view on Fight, for sure. Much more than they bought any pa- previous Impact pay-per-view. So. so there's another small indicator. Yeah, I, like, another- yeah, I don't know if that's just our little microcosm of our little world or whatever, but it, it, it sold a few. And, and we've- yeah, but our little world is where Impact is getting these increases. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. So if, you know, I can, if we can add... Uh, you know, a couple dozen, you, you know, people or a handful of people, uh, then yeah, you yeah, you have to maybe hope that that extrapolates e- even more. But yeah, we 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 put the same links up for every single Impact pay per view, and they sell one or zero. This one sold more than that, so you know what I mean, like a a, a, a significant more uh, than that. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. 
Here's three more numbers from WrestleNomics, and these are the big ones. Is, is you know, as we know, Kenny is a, a mover in eighteen to forty nine. Particular males eighteen to forty nine. Impact is actually down since he debuted with women. They're down slightly with <laughs> women. But males eighteen to forty nine, they're up fifty four percent. Males twelve to thirty four, they're up twenty five percent. And males thirty five to forty nine, they're up sixty eight percent since Kenny Omega debuted. And remember, this is throwing out the show on December 8th, which was the Omega debut. So all of these numbers would be significantly higher if we count his debut. But Brandon threw that out because he wanted to see, okay, we all saw Kenny show up. Now what what did it do for us? You know what I mean? So he threw that number out. These are all numbers post-debut. They would be significantly higher if you threw in the 222,000 that he drew on 12-8. So it's just funny because you look around the internet and Twitter and stuff, and you see people saying that Kenny Omega hasn't proven to be a draw. And it's like, what number, what number? <laughs> the number is, with? I don't like him is, is the number metric that they're using. So yes. You know, and it, it, it's like, you know what they're looking at? They're looking at total viewers on dynamite where his quarter hour, like loses 9,000 viewers, but they're ignoring that it gained 22,000 in the demo or was the second highest quarter hour of the whole show or, you know, whatever the case may be, because he has this weird trend where he turns away everyone except men, 18 to 49, which happened to also be the most important. And he draws them so well that it carries the entire 18 to 49 demo. So he is, it is weird in that way with him where he seems to be a turnoff for anyone over 50, which makes sense when you think about it. And he seems to be a turnoff for anyone under 18. But in that demo, and in particular with men, the guy's a huge draw. And, you know, that's what television advertisers and whatnot are looking for. So that's why it's so advantageous for Impact to have him on the show. And here's the other thing. I saw a lot of Impact fans saying, oh, I can't believe Rich Swan got pinned by Kenny Omega. That's our champion. This is an outsider. You have to stop looking at Kenny Omega is on your show every week. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> he's he's part of the show now. If that like, was it and he rolled out of the ring and never returned to Impact ever again, I would say, yeah, that's a little weird. But then he was, boom, he was right back there. So, yeah, I, I'm... Dude, he's a kayfabe outsider. He's on the show every week. Kenny Omega's on Impact now. He's part of it's your wild. world. Isn't that wild? It is wild. <laughs> he's like a regular on Impact. Now, that, now he might be gone for a couple weeks because... The beginning of this week's show, Callus was like, ah, "We're getting out of here. We got bigger and better things to do." Right, but, right, you know, yeah. but it's like he's obviously a character in the Impact universe now, and they can still so, do videos but, and stuff. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Like I said, he didn't roll out of that ring and they go, "Well, we'll, we'll never see Kenny again." You know, it wasn't like there was no finality to beating Rich Swan. It was just the beginning of a story. He's been on the show every week for a month and a half. He's on your show, you know. So it's like you know, he's part of the team now. Like it's a kayfabe outsider so it's like he's the biggest star in impact why shouldn't he you know especially if eventually he's going to win that title and do this whole belt collector thing pinning the champion is a good setup for that and again i like rich swan but no offense it's rich swan it's really not that big a deal and, and i know that comes across but i mean rich swan happens to hold that title but he's still rich swan so i i don't think he's a difference maker or anything like that so if you can have Omega beat the champion and that means something for the Omega story, you absolutely do it. 
So that was hard to kill. Uh, we got about 10 minutes here, so let's quickly uh, cover up these last two uh, Japan uh, topics. And I think we, yeah, I think we got it to everything else here. Uh, let's start with uh, Dragon Gate. Not a ton to get into, but they had uh, January 12th, January 13th. They had two Cork and Hall shows uh, that were available on uh, the Dragon Gate service, also with English commentary. Uh, I watched most of the shows. I think I kind of had to pick and choose from the second show. Uh, I saw all the first show. The big news uh, out of that show is uh, open the Twin Gate match in the main event. Uh, R.E.D., the B.B. Hulk, and Kai team defeated Jason Lee uh, and Kota Minora uh, again to uh, retain uh, their titles in a really, really good match. I enjoyed that one a lot. Uh, the fun story with Keisuke Okuda and Punch Tamananga where he just beats the hell out of him. I beat him in three minutes on the uh, January 12th show, uh, and then he would go then the next night on January 13th and beat him in 11 seconds. Uh, uh, so that was uh, kind of the ongoing story there. Uh, January 13th, you had... Uh, Bokitimo, uh, Bokitimo Dragon versus Ultimo Dragon, or, or, or teaming with Ultimo Dragon as well. So you got the big R Shimizu uh, version of Ultimo Dragon teaming with the actual Ultimo Dragon. So I guess that was, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it was, uh, it was interesting to say the least. And then the uh, main event, uh, which I thought was pretty good, uh, was Open the Triangle Gate, Natural Vibes, which are now back, which is going to be our topic here for a bit, Natural Vibes, uh, defeat the RED uh, team to win the uh, Triangle Gate Championship. So that's Genki Horiguchi, KZ, uh, and, and Susumu are now your Triangle Gate champions. But uh, some unit shakeups here because R.E.D. gets uh, they break up uh, after this. Yoshida, uh, the former Cyber Kong, uh, is kicked out of R.E.D. Uh, after the Triangle Gate match, and now he's become like a, uh, would you say, a protege of, of Mochizuki is kind of his new character uh, that he's doing. So some unit shakeups there. Obviously, with the uh, the 1220, uh, the Dragon Gate generation is done. The Torimon generation is done. Uh, and now Natural Vibes has come back uh, as well, which I what, – what are your thoughts on the return of Natural Vibes? Because I'm kind of – You know I don't like Natural Vibes. I, I, I was kind of done with them, and I was glad they went away, and now I'm kind of upset that they're back again. Like, not that I – I didn't dislike them as much as you did. I just don't like them all that much, and I'm just kind of like, eh. I mean, I like to move forward with my units. I like new units. I like shakeups. I don't like just going. Okay, let's go. Just go back to this. Like I, I don't know. That that that's kind of lazy to me. Well, I'm I'm skeptical. I think it's a setup for a KZ turn. I mean, I know that's not exactly a unique opinion, and kind of everybody sees that coming. So we'll see. Maybe we're all wrong, but I feel like this is just a temporary thing, and KZ is gonna turn on these guys. Um, but they're Triangle Gate champions now, so. Uh, we'll see, but, um, yeah, I, you know, my takeaways from these shows were the, the atmosphere was dire. I mean, that's not Dragon Gate's fault. No, dude, state of emergency but, Japanese wrestling is going to be real bad. So, so strap in folks. I mean, new Japan is getting like 300 people to Cork and hall and it sounds like a fucking funeral home. It's, it's, it's going to be rough. There's 300 people at these shows the, the atmosphere was awful. Um, and it really, it was hard for me to get into them. At, at one point, I had to turn the commentary off because it was it was easier for me to get into the shows with no noise at all than to hear the awful atmosphere. Does that make any sense? I just no, oh no, absolutely, yeah, for sure. So the Okuda punch Tamanaga stuff is a shit ton of fun. No one does that better than Dragon Gate does. The Twin Gate match was okay. Um, the thing is, I see Hulk as being so bad now that all of his matches over deliver because he's not as bad as I think he is. Right, I think he's the drizzling shits and he's like still fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. the same way. I'm like, oh, here we go. BB Hulk and Kai. And then when it's over, I'm like, God, that was damn good. And it's like, they're not that good. I just, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's exactly what I have. Yeah. And then I thought the post-match of the Triangle Gate stuff with Takashi Yoshida was awesome. So he says he's mad at SB Kento, says he never liked him. Says he, they're going to throw him out of red. 
SB Kento's looking all concerned. And then when Yoshida says, everybody get him, they attack Yoshida instead. Just a classic Dragon Gate angle. And then SB Kento has this shit-eating grin on his face. And then they leave him there for dead. And he gets the mic. And he's calling out for his senpai. He's yelling, senpai! Senpai! And if you listen to Jay on commentary, he's like, what? He's asking for... His senpai was Masaki Mochizuki. What, what is happening here? Why is he calling from... <laughs> So so he's calling out, and Mochizuki comes out with that look on his face, like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like he had to light, right? light his cigarette to come out? Yeah, he's like, well, yeah, he did, because he gets in the ring, and then Yoshida goes, did you see what just went down? And Mochizuki goes, no, I don't watch your matches. <laughs> <laughs> what an unbelievable, what a, I mean, we should all aspire to be Mochizuki, you know what I mean? Like, that, that, that guy's just... God damn. Anyone I've ever spoken to that is bilingual tells me that his promos are just incredible. Yeah, I'm like, sure he has they the are. dry wit and just funny as hell. And you could it just came across here as Jai is translating the promos in real time. And he's like, No, I don't watch your fucking matches. I don't know what happened. So Yoshida explains and he's like, Um, I need to start back at the bottom. You're my senpai. And Mochizuki's like, oh, hold on now. The last time we tried this, you attacked. Me. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so, stupid. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I don't know if I'm into this. You know, and and uh, and plus he's like treating him like a joke anyway because he's always been slotted way lower than him, and it's fucking Cybercom, you know. So, uh, and he just has this like shit eating grin on his face the whole time that that uh, that that Yoshida's making this pitch, and the fans were into this. They were laughing their asses off at all of this. And then eventually Yoshida, I guess, convinces him. So I guess – and then Mochizuki at one point too, he's like, you're like a 17-year veteran. Like what <laughs> right. am I What supposed- do you need me for? <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing really was really funny, you know, and 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 and, and so that's going to be Yoshida's story moving forward, I guess, is this weird buddy cop relationship with, uh, with Mochizuki. So – that kind of saved the shows for me because the wrestling was fine. It's just the atmosphere. It was just, it was like, uh, just so pathetic and hard to watch. But um, the booking was good. You know, it's a well-booked promotion right now and there's good directions. It's just, there's, it's out of their control though. What are you going to do? Uh, and then the zero one, we, we only got a few minutes here, but I think we yeah. can get through this one pretty quickly here. We'll go a little over, but uh, happy new year, 2021. You, you caught up on it this week and I was like, well, fuck it. I guess I'll uh, catch on with this week. I watched the entire show, which I do not recommend anybody to, cause it was pretty bad. I don't want to take too long to kind of, uh, uh, you know, break down the, the, the undercard matches. They're not really worth the time. Uh, the opener, it was like a, a young lion opener, uh, or young, yeah. young boy opener. Really good. Uh, really, really good stuff. Well, accidental blood in the young lion opener. So you'll enjoy that. Uh, and then there was a match, uh, Watanabe Ito uh, versus Kitamura and Baba uh, in the second match. That was actually pretty damn good. Some good action. A little sloppy at times, but 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 some decent action. And and, and looks like there's actually some talent uh, there on the undercard. Uh, and the rest was pretty shitty. <laughs> so a bunch of Aja Kong, who can't even move or do anything. You got L. Lindemann bouncing off of her, taking bumps and stuff. It was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, so. That was the semi strong hearts against Aja Kong, Sinjiro Otani, and Yumahito Imanari. And that was really just to give strong hearts a win. And I think T Hawk got COVID since then. Yes, yeah, he, he, he's out. Yeah, or no, I, I know Lindemann for sure. I did not know. Actually, I didn't know about T Hawk. Is that, is that true? I could be wrong with who has it, but I think they're both quarantining. I think, but definitely one of them for sure. But, um, 
yeah, that was just to set up because then Shima sat in on commentary for the main event, right? Because he was going to challenge the winner, and which he did. So, which kind of tipped it off because you know they're they're running either Sumo or Budokan. I can't remember. Oof. They're, they're running one of those buildings, and the point is, you're not going to put Tamura Hayato, <laughs> yeah. even though you're selling limited tickets, even though you're zero one. The big match is Shima versus Masato Tanaka. So Masato right, there's Tanaka. still that there's still that prestige, which is, and I was gonna actually bring that up to you as well as you know we're seeing that potentially with uh, in, in Noah where you know maybe Keiji Muto wins that, and to me that's like not the if I was booking it, I would take this opportunity to get a young guy over. I would take this opportunity to get a young star over that sort of stuff. I would take this opportunity to to have Goji Ozaki, you know, put his uh, you know plant his flag for the year or whatever. It's not my money though. I'm not the one running the show, and I get it. If they feel that they need to do that to to sell X amount of tickets or the prestige of running in that building, I get it. I understand it, and it's it's not the way I would do it. But again, it's not my money, and it's not like it's you know Hayata is not like this like unbelievable can't miss prospect either. That they absolutely ruined his career by doing this. It's, it's, it's he's not even their wrestler. Exactly, like he, he's a he's a just tap out guy. So, um, he reminds me of Okada. Like the he's way like it, a dollar store. Well, I mean, come on, he's trying to <laughs> the, the, the hair, the robe, the yeah, yeah the gear. Um, he even looks like him a little in the face. He does. He doesn't wrestle quite like him, but uh, <laughs> he's a nice little wrestler. He's good. He, he's a little rough around the edges. He he he's the, the problem that him is. I like. I actually like him. Like he's a cool little prospect, and I I definitely want to keep my eye on him because he's you know he's only twenty five, and you can see already in a year how how much he's progressed. But he needs a, like the impact is is not quite there. The the striking's not quite there. He doesn't like you know. He still looks like he's kind of working a little soft. You, you know, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, like he's kind of thinking through it a little bit, and especially in Japan, where especially when you're against fucking Masato Tanaka, it's like, nah, dude, you can reel it in there. You can, you know, give it a little, get a work there. But I thought I, I liked his match with Hartley Jackson a little bit more than this one. Uh, but I still thought this was tremendous, and it was mostly tremendous because Masato Tanaka is just fucking, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> what do you say about Masato Tanaka anymore? No, he just he's ageless. He's going through fucking table. He sets up the table spot, and I'm like, oh, something's gonna happen here. No, he's he just going. He, he just. He just splashed through a table. <laughs> he's 47 years old. Yeah, uh, yeah. Breaky, breaky I'm thinking deep. something's going to happen. Something, you know, no, he just he goes through the table. You know, when these guys, when the decline does come, it comes fast, though. You look at Daisuke Sekimoto, you look at Yuji Okabayashi last year, Suwama, at least to me. There's still Suwama believers out there, but I think he's clearly lost a step. So when it happens, it just kind of fucking happens. You know what I mean? I know. Uh, doesn't seem to be gradual. It's not, it's it's not like, January 2021, I'll tell you that, because he still rocks. No, I mean, yeah, this wasn't a great match, but it was a really good match. And then, obviously, Shima came in, and they did the dueling promos or whatever. And Look, I get it. They're going to run that big building. They're 0-1. They want to sell every possible ticket they can. We're in a pandemic. It's going to be hard enough with the limited seats. And um, that's the biggest possible match they could have put together. So I get it. I don't have a problem with it. And I don't know no. what, what, and I don't know what their deal is with Hayato. Maybe it was time to go back. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, hopefully not. Cause this is a good spot for him. If, if, if so, I mean, I, I, I like the, I like him a lot. I just, yeah, I want him to be in a place where I think he's going to improve and, 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 you know, we can see him a little bit. So, I mean, I guess zero one's not really that place either. So, cause <laughs> there are two shows a year that make tapes. So, yeah, but I mean, just tap out is basically just a school. Right, 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 right. You know, it's it's not really. They'll run some produce shows here and there, but yeah, for the most part, it's 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 nothing. Yeah, I mean, he's just tap out. He's not. 
I always get them and two AW mixed. No, up he, he's with, yeah, he's JTO for sure with the roster. Yeah, um, yeah, it's basically just a school. There's no growth possible there. It's just a place where you know you don't want to get stuck there your whole career because you're going. You know, at least zero one is a, you know, it, it's a bottom rung of promotion for sure. But I consider it a step up from just tap out. I oh mean, God, yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, we don't know what the deal was with that. So you do Shima and Tanaka in your main event. It's kind of a compelling match. It's interesting. It's a match that you never think you might want to see. Uh, I but will say this. I'm, I'm on his uh, Twitter page right now. He is promoting the uh, a tournament coming up in Zero One. Uh, that's going to be at the end of the month. So Hayato? Yes, yes. So at least he's, he's here for didn't a Zero One shut down for the uh, – I thought they shut down. Uh, this was the 21st. So he, ju- he just tweeted this out uh, a few minutes okay. ago, actually. So. I had bad information. I thought they were shutting down for the emergency. Yeah, well, apparently, I, yeah, I'm not sure because this says 124 and 131. They might be doing no fans. I, I, I don't know for sure, but there's. Like I a think little... they may have just stopped running shows for a couple weeks. I heard something about them shutting down. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but apparently they're running some tournament coming up, so maybe that's their return. Let me see if they've run any shows since the. Uh, I think they ran year. one. I believe they ran one show. Uh, since then, so it's probably yeah, they probably shut down for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, they ran on the eleventh. Did that show happen? Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes they take those big gaps. It's hard to tell. But uh, yeah, point here is I get why they did it, and I get why they think Tanaka Shima is their best shot because it is. I still don't think it's going to draw. I mean, all things considered. You know, with COVID and everything else, and the fact that it's still zero one. You know, you think they get a thousand fans? I think it's a. Sh- I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, what's the, what are the rules for running like big arenas like that? Like, is there a, a there's a percent capacity, right? I think the state of emergency. I, I, I'm kind of lost on the state of emergency thing. I, I usually rely on Sumo Hall, not Budokan. By the way, I made sure. Um, I I don't know. The rules ch- keep changing, and I don't really keep up with it. Yeah, so I'm I the can't. same. So yeah, hopefully I, I don't know. I mean, in a if you're asking me hypothetically, you know, in in a perfect world, if they can sell as many tickets as they can sell, uh, thousand. I don't know for zero one. It is March. A lot can change. Yeah, a lot can change, and and they can really stack that up with people as well. And I think that was obviously the direction with this show. You know, putting Aja Kong on there, putting you know some other. Um, outside stars and stuff. I yeah. I mean, I guess for I would say yeah because you could, you could probably pick enough guys off the scrap heap and 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 just pick like one time you know people to try to sell some tickets. I guess a thousand for zero one though. Ugh. See, I have no feel. This is why I haven't really talked attendance at all during COVID. Yeah, I, I don't no know. Feel. I yeah, like I don't know. Or do a thousand people want to go to a show? I don't know, dude. Yeah. I yeah, who knows? Who fucking? Knows? It's so dumb because I can't. I don't have any feel for it at all. Um. With all the other factors, they claimed 543 for this New Year's show. So, um, as Corkin, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you they think could double that? I mean, I think. Can they? I, I mean, it is. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it depends who they book. Um, I'm just worried about the factor of people not wanting to go. Right. That, and that's going to be there's yeah. 300 people going to Dragon Gate shows. Right. You know, it's so. You know, it's a little scary. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. that stuff. I got me a little scared there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be trying to run a big hall if I was zero one. But you know, hey. well, they announced it last year, so right. it's not like you know they announced it before COVID. 
that they announced – I think they announced last February or March that they'd be running Sumo Hall. Oh, I do March. remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. We were laughing about that and how ambitious yeah. that was, and now even more so. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were laughing about the idea of them in Sumo Hall, and now it's even wilder. But at the same time, it kind of hides the embarrassment because you could always just chalk exactly. it up. Exactly. Right, 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 right. You could just say, oh, well, hey, we got 1,000 people. That's good. you know, Or we got 600 people. That's pretty good. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right, though. I think they'll load it up with other guys. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, your normal, random old dudes that, that are willing to come, your produce guys. You know, I don't know the relationship with Just Tap Out, but you might be able to grab some of those guys, too. And well, It's obviously good. Yeah. You know, I don't know who there is going to move the needle, but I guess you bring this, you could bring this kid back and you get the rest of the strong hearts and got a hologram of Shinya Hashimoto out there. Maybe that might, uh, Hey, where was Sugi on this show? Nowhere. You're goddamn right. Where was Sugi on the show? I know. That's why I watched the undercard. I thought I would get some Sugi and I fucking didn't. He didn't wrestle on the 11th either. Is his contract up or something? I don't know. You know, he did do a lot of jobs last year. Is he in that? Uh, is he in the new bodyguard uh, promotion? I forget if he's actually popped up there yet. I don't pay any attention to that. I have a new rule. <laughs> These pop up promotions in Japan, I I don't I you don't get my time until you prove that you're real and you're gonna last and you're legit. I can't do it. Your gleets and this bullshit, I can't fucking. Do it. Shima's new bullshit thing that he's got going. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I just can't do it. That's fair. Uh, but Sugi and Rachel, I mean they. Haven't it doesn't look like they've worked zero one since uh mm. they worked the Christmas show and they won. They were in a six man tag. How'd they do in that tag tournament? They lost in the first round. See that to to Stronghearts. That's the thing. They did a lot of jobs down the stretch. And now they're not there in the beginning of the year. It makes me wonder if Sugi is no more. Which I mean He's one of the highlights of all these zero one. He shows. really is, yeah. So he only he works sporadically in in December. He didn't even work every show, but they were doing like two and three match shows. It got real dire there. Um, fire festival final, I, yeah, they lost on that show as well. Maybe they were jobbing him on the way out. I don't know. Figure that would have popped up somewhere if he was a free agent. Though I don't know. What are we yeah, doing? It's like <laughs> Sugi. Three hours and ten minutes talking about Sugi. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for us. So anyway, uh, next week, uh, voice wrestling match of the year. Uh, we'll do the Patreon special show. Uh, that that we usually do what five dollar tier for that one, I believe. Yeah, five dollar tier for the top ten match of the year reveal. Uh, that'll come probably on Thursday uh, next week once we uh, we we do that uh, throughout the entire week. Uh, at voicesofwrestling.com, we'll roll out the list. We'll start, obviously, with the honorable mentions, people that finished outside of the top 100, uh, and then go through the entire top 100, culminating again on Friday with the uh, top 10, or if you want to listen to it a little bit early, $5 uh, to get that Thursday night, our, our reveal uh, of the top 10 uh, match of the year, as well as our, the biggest reveal, Joe and I's top 10 matches of the year, which I am still finalizing. I don't know about you, but I, am, uh, I got a big old list of matches, and I'm not quite sure exactly what the ranking's going to be yet. So, um. um. Sugi's contract is up. Oh no! So you go. Well, thank you. I was I wasn't was going to sleep right until I do that. So that's well. Now you know. That's good to know. So thank you so much. Uh, so voiceswrestling.com for all that match of the year stuff. Uh, FSM fifty also at voiceswrestling.com. Uh, voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon. The ongoing Rumble Rewind series getting rave reviews. 
uh, from all across the land, uh, doing a 1994, 1996, 2000, 2004, 2014, uh, maybe some other ones uh, as well. So that's a Rumble Rewind on VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon. Thursday two reviews are up there right now. All the other good stuff at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, VoicesWrestling.com slash Discord. That's it for us. We got to go. Take care.